This is the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty on SENZ. Folks, welcome into the show. This is the Saturday session for the 11th of February 2023. You may have paid attention to that. It is 2023. Uh, only the second show I've been back for. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, ben Francis is alongside me. We ride through to 1 o'clock and we do appreciate you playing a part. Our number is uh, 0800 150 811. You can also text us on double eight double three. Go on. Uh, you may want to uh, make comment on these following topics. Super Bowl, who you got and why? Uh, Eagles up against the Chiefs. Uh, that's Monday, the single biggest sporting event on the planet each and every year as far as a uh, one-off event. Uh, incredible, isn't it? Um, you know, when major television networks um, in the United States completely change their um, scheduling, so uh, programs on Sunday night air, uh, elsewhere, sort of an indication it's kind of a big deal and right around the world as well. Love to get, uh, you know, the... Uh, Passionate uh, NFL fan base of New Zealand to, to sing a little song today. Uh, the NBA trade winds have blown quite um, furiously in the last 24, 48 hours now, haven't they? Sean Marks, um, Kiwi, yeah, you may have heard of him. He runs the um, Nets. They've had an interesting week, to say the least. Uh, how does one mark Sean Marks as um, a, a Nets GM? It's a sincere question. I, I'm sort of flummoxed on that. NBA fans, love to get your thoughts. And there's plenty of cricket things to discuss. Uh, the Women's T20 uh, World Cup has to set off, and there has been a surprise already. Uh, we've got uh, Super Smash Finals today, uh, two of them. Australia are playing India in India, and uh, the Black Caps take on England on Thursday. We'll discuss all of those things with Grant Elliott a little bit later this hour. He's going to drop by. Uh, we'll catch up with him over the phone. Um, but really keen to speak to cricket fans about uh, that. Uh, here's your opportunity. The lines are open, 0800 150 Eight eleven. What else is coming up on the show? Well, I've told you Grant Elliott will be along later this hour. Next hour, we will catch up with uh, Tony Kemp. Uh, SCNZ will bring you live commentary uh, later, and we can't wait for this as well. Nothing beats live sport on the old wireless. Uh, Kempy will be alongside Sam Hewitt, and they'll be providing uh, all the action from what we hope is an action-packed NRL uh, All-Stars matchup. Looking forward to catching up with Kempy at about quarter past 11. Uh, he'll run his rather large mind over that uh, for us. Uh, while coming up after 12 o'clock, we'll head stateside and actually dig a little bit deeper into the NFL, catching up uh, with um, Fox uh, Philadelphia uh, and ESPN Radio reporter Scott Grayson. Uh, he will uh, talk about uh, the return to relevancy for the Eagles, who a couple of years ago uh, looked like they had their wings clipped, but they are back on the big stage up against a team who's been there and done that a lot over the last three or four years in the Chiefs. That is all still to come, including your voices on 0800 150 or you can text the program as always on the Temper Bed Post text machine on double eight double three. But at the top of the hour, we do like to uh, tell you what's been happening as far as sporting headlines, and let's uh, start off with uh, spinner Todd Murphy took five wickets on his Australian debut, but Rohit Sharma's centre has helped India build a big lead on day two of the first cricket test. Rohit had a classy 120 as the host closed at 321 for the loss of seven to Nagpur, although they needed a good, wick, uh, good partnership for the eighth wicket to get through to that. 
Uh, they lead by 144 runs, despite off-spinner Murphy's 5 for 82. Hey, Pep Guardiola, he's had quite a week. He's been almost a weapon. Workhorse. Maybe that's foretelling uh, what's coming up a little bit later. But he is apparently fully convinced Manchester United are innocent, but says they have already been sentenced after being charged by the Premier League for allegedly breaching financial rules. The Premier League charged City with more than 100 alleged breaches of financial regulations on Monday, dating back to 2009, um, and has referred the findings to an independent commission. But uh, Pep Guardiola believes they've um, already been condemned. Okay, Pep. A two-year ban from European competition for breaching UEFA's fair, uh, financial fair play regulations was overturned by the Court of Arbitration for Sport in 2020, um, in part largely due to a statute of limitations, i.e. Um, the evidence was more than five years old, and Cass um, looked at the rule book and said, uh, well, you have no grounds. So they got off on a technicality. This is a fascinating story for sure. Um, and also the Highlanders and Chiefs claimed Super Rugby preseason wins last night. A late try to hooker Jack Taylor saw the Highlanders uh, beat the Crusaders 35-33 to in Western, and uh, the Chiefs claimed a big win over Moana Pacifica by 48 points to seven. There are the latest in your sporting headlines to five minutes after 10 o'clock. Good morning, Ben Francis. Morning, How mate. You, mate. How are we? Does, does the league... Gone great. Does the league season start tonight, or did it start with the first preseason game? What do you think, mate? Got, got the does Warriors it, jersey not... on. <laughs> I was about to say they looked half decent in midweek, didn't they? Oh, it's the coming. Wednesday? It's it's coming home, mate. It's coming home. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no! I I must admit, and do you know what I love about the NRL is is the, the build up to a season. Um, we, we legitimately get excited for it. I I think there's great showmen across the sport, whether it's the teams, whether it's media. Uh, it build, builds up anticipation, but but pre season's just pre season, right? Oh yeah, it is, and look, you can't really read too much into that first preseason game. You look at, for example, that Warriors team and how many of those guys will actually be regular features in the seventeen. It's really hard to say. There might only be a handful of them, but a lot of guys in there really stood up. Yeah, I was absolutely impressed with a guy like Luke Metcalf who. Is unfortunately going to be the backup to Sean Johnson, but I would love it if the Warriors could somehow incorporate him into the 17. He's probably the one signing that I am super excited about, and I'm glad we've got him at the Warriors. But still, how could you cram him in? How could you cram him into a 17? How would that work in your mind? Well, if in my mind, I would probably have Tamari Martin or Luke Metcalf at fullback and then move Charles Nickel Klugstad into the centres. But it sounds like Andrew Webster is pretty set on Tamari Martin right. and Sean Johnson in the halves and Nickel Klugstad at fullback. And then he's apparently going to have Dylan Walker coming off the bench. So that kind of really limits where Luke Metcalf can come in. But for me, I, I would have to find a way to incorporate him into the 17. He's, to me, he's that good. And he's got that much promise. I, I would love to see him in there. Good to have options, though, isn't it? Oh, Good totally. to have options. Uh, you know, a few weeks out from the actual start of the season. I think the first week of March, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that's up right. Up against the Knights in Wellington, the uh, Warriors to kick off their season. But the NRL All-Stars game coming up a little bit later. And we'll catch up with Tony Kemp, as I do, um, oh, as, I, as I have said. Uh, as, we, as we discussed in the first week um, back after our little uh, Christmas break. It is a massive sporting year and one of those big ticketed items is the ICC Women's T20 which started in South Africa this morning in front of a big and boisterous crowd in Cape Town. 
Uh, and we've had a boil over first up. The hosts, South Africa, have lost their opening game to Sri Lanka. Batting first, I think Sri Lanka made 129 for four. Uh, South Africa in their chase got start after start after start, but no one scored more than skipper Sunay Luce with 28. Wickets falling at 29, 44, 53, 72, 72, 95, 113, 170. You get the drift. They drifted along. No one dominated. No one took the game by the scruff of the neck. Some comical fielding uh, in the penultimate over nearly cost Sri Lanka dearly. Uh, but heading into the last over, Sri Lanka um, had uh, limited South Africa to 117 for seven. So the hosts needed 13 off that final over. And adding a bit of intrigue, Sri Lanka had to have an extra fielder inside the circle due to a slow over rate. Um, first ball went for two, second ball was one, but then a run out coming back for a second, 120 for eight, and that's um, all she wrote, essentially. And Sri Lanka have won by three runs in the end. And this will have big implications for New Zealand's group because... Guess what? These two sides are in Group A alongside Bangladesh, Australia and New Zealand. New Zealand, of course, opened their campaign against Australia. Um, and what chance are you giving New Zealand at this tournament? Love to get Cricket's fans' uh, thoughts on that. 0800 I know we're not playing at home like the one-day World Cup last year, but uh, our, our team seems more suited to T20, and the game itself lends itself to um, perhaps an outsider who I do probably have New Zealand in the next group below the top-tier teams. Um, going deep, if not all the way to a final at the very least. What chances are you giving our women's side uh, going deep in that tournament? It's also a big day for our domestic cricketers. Super Smash, um, two finals, isn't it? Wellington Blaze will start warm favourites against Canterbury, even without their white ferns. Uh, while the Northern Brave and Canterbury will meet in the men's final, and the bookmakers have that one far more even. As mentioned, Australia are battling against India. But there is a much-anticipated test series on the horizon, weather permitting, of course. Love to get uh, your thoughts on this on 0800 150 811. You can text us on 8833 if you wish. It, of course, is uh, the eagerly anticipated uh, New Zealand-England test series. Two-match test series. A reinvigorated test monster England are, aren't they? Under one Ben Stokes and coach Brendan McCullum. Nine wins in their last ten test matches. Um, the 10 test matches prior to Stokes and McCullum taking over, England had a pretty sorry record winning just one of those with six losses. And I said on this very show when Brendan, um, you know, said au revoir or maybe see you later to SENZ, um, that I had my doubts he could cause an immediate turnaround. Talk about egg on my face. Um, I simply thought they did not have enough cattle, didn't have the cattle. Well, he has proven me wrong. Um, they just com- seem completely transformed. And if there is a word I would use to describe what I've seen from England during the Stokes-McCallum uh, era, it's just forceful. Everything is forceful. An explosive batting lineup which um, has scored, get this, Ben Francis, on average in those 10 test matches, 4.77 runs and over. That equates to 429 a day over 90 overs. 429. That's their average. It's the average. We're sure we're talking about test cricket here when you throw those numbers yep. out there? It's bonkers, isn't it? Tell me you are not entertained. Tell me you are not entertained. Tell me you are not excited. How can you not be? Um, while with the ball, they, they don't let the game drift with non-traditional fields when it's required and innovative plans with the ball. Um, they seem a very well-rounded and very dangerous side. While New Zealand are on the down, wouldn't you say? While England are on the up. And I've listened to the station a lot and read a number of other publications in the weeks leading up to the series, and not many seem to be giving New Zealand much of a chance. And maybe that was my misinterpretation. You could tell me otherwise if you want to know 800 150 811. 
it's silly colour my thinking when I uh, check the TAB odds today and see England are favourites at $2.40 to win the first test. But New Zealand are not long shot outsiders. $3.20. That's reasonably tight, isn't it? That is reasonably tight. And maybe this is based on the fact New Zealand has won the last two series in New Zealand against England. You might remember those. 1-0, 1-0 in 2019 and 2018. There were three drawn tests in 2013. In fact, you've got to go back to 2008 to see an English side that has actually won in New Zealand. So I'd love to get the thoughts of New Zealand cricket fans. Are they as down in the dumps as I have detected? 0800-150-811. And if you want to uh, play Cricketing Survivor, which is a uh, long-time favourite of mine, you know, whittle down 14 New Zealand cricketers into a starting 11. From the squad we actually have, that would be helpful. I know it's fanciful. We want the the likes of Lockie Ferguson back in the test team. He hasn't played a first-class cricket game in nearly three years. I think that ship has sailed. Hugely disappointing for sure. Uh, but if you want to whittle down your starting um, 11, uh, here is your opportunity. Uh, stateside, I'd love to get uh, NFL fans' thoughts today as far as the um, Super Bowl. You big uh, Super Bowl fan, uh, Ben Francis, do you get the nine-layered dip, uh, the, the barbecued wings out? Oh, I, I, I'm one of these people that will probably follow it. I don't have the patience or the capability of sitting there for four hours. <laughs> I just get too irritated and get bored, so... Yeah, I, I I will keep an eye on it, and I'm very excited, you know, to see what the game has to bring because it's two two uh, the two best sides definitely throughout the season, and look, both going for a bit of bit of history kind of there as well. Mm. Yeah, Philly were a bit of a shambles a couple of years back, and uh, the general manager I think is Howie Roseman. Many fans wanted him to be shown the door, but he's rebuilt that roster in rather quick time. Firstly. Uh, they nailed the head coaching appointment, it seems. Uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, has clearly blossomed from a rather large question mark to a rather large um, problem for opposing defences, but defensively they are nasty. Uh, the Eagles finished with 15 more sacks than any other team this season and add an eight more to their total in blowout playoff wins over the Giants and 49ers. Um, the Eagles have spread their wings and flown this year, built on the back of a playoff appearance last year, I think. Their off-season was excellent. And they have taken giant steps. Um, impressive, impressive uh, squad. Uh, even so so much so, the notoriously harsh Philadelphia fan base are proud of them. And that, that is saying something. Uh, Philadelphia is a pretty tough uh, fan base. And you only need to ask Andy Reid that, the coach of Kansas City, who was um, well, showing the door at Philadelphia um, after a, a rough end to a 14-year tenure. He had a couple of down years and the fans wanted him gone. He did leave. He linked up uh, with Kansas City and revitalised that franchise. Granted, he's had some serious help with all-world, all-generational talent and quarterback uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, The Chiefs under Reid won a Super Bowl and are back to their third title game in four years. Um, And last time they played in a Super Bowl, their offensive line got blown away by the Bucs, and they've done a lot of work to rebuild that. Uh, The only lineman left from that group is uh, Andrew Wiley, if I'm not mistaken who um, started right tackle in the Super Bowl. So the big question is, and, and I'm no NFL expert, and this is me asking our NFL experts to actually add some light to this. Is it as simple as this? Is the big question. With Mahomes still dealing with a high ankle sprain, from what I've, I've read, should we just... The Chiefs to crumble up front against the league's best pass rush? Is that it? Is that the one true battle? Of the NFL, and if the Eagles can't get to Mahomes, well, you're dead, aren't you? You're toast. He's he's just too good. 
NFL fans, 0800-150-811. Let me know who wins and why. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And how do we grade Sean Marks here, Ben Francis? What a fascinating couple of years he has had. Oh. Assembling what we all thought was an all-world lineup of Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. It was, he, he, uh, he paid a lot. He paid a lot for that. But guess what? None of them are there. It was never None go- of them remain at the net. It was never going to work, Daniel. It was never ever. Really? No, it was never going to work because you have too many strong personalities that will clash. The Brooklyn Nets, since they became the Brooklyn Nets, they've always tried to build these super teams and they've always been dysfunctional. It was never, ever going to work with the kind of players that they were playing there. It was, uh, I just, I never saw it happening and... Yeah, Sean Marks is like you. Will have a bit of egg on his face today. He, his might be a bit scrambled right now, but it's it, that's what it's like. It was never going to work, and the fact that people actually thought it was going to work is just crazy. Because as I say, you have got too many personality clashing, too many guys that play a similar style. It's 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 never going to work out that way. I, I did find this quite interesting. This was in the aftermath, I think, of the Kyrie trade. Um, my goal here, and our goal, is from ownership, and this is from Sean Marks. Uh, my goal here, and our goal is from ownership all the way down, is to put something on the floor that everybody can be proud of. You can see consistent effort, you can see availability, and you can see competitive spirit. That might be a bit of shade of one guy in particular. Uh, wasn't he responsible for putting them together? Yeah. And so how, how do New Zealanders grade the job he's done there? He, when he took over that franchise, they had very little in the way of anything. Talent, trade assets, to assemble that roster, uh, it looked like a heck of a job. But have, have, have we sort of changed our thinking? Or has he done a very good job in sort of getting the best out of a, a bad situation, especially once Kyrie Irving uh, demanded a trade? Well, look, just look at two personality, personalities they have on the team, which was Ben Simmons... Absolute, just absolute, like, he's literally, like, cancer culture with the way he acts. you got Kyrie Irving, who's they got the whole anti-vax culture, and you just put those two together and put them in a whole locker room. It, it's, it's literally just a cancer. It's, it's waiting to it, it spread out. And the way I look at it is you can kind of have – you can have the best stars in the world, which what the Brooklyn Nets have, but that does not mean that they bring a good culture to the team. And when you don't have a good culture, you're not going to be successful. It's a very it's a very business motto, but it's true. The best players did not mean that you are going to win, especially in a sport like right. basketball. All right. Uh, so there's three big questions for you to get your teeth into today, whether it's 0800 or texting us on double eight double three. Uh, how do you, what mark do you give Sean Marks as GM of the Nets? Uh, it's been a wild few years for sure. Uh, Super Bowl, who wins and why? And um, the Black Caps up against England. Uh, New Zealand rank outsiders, as I've certainly detected from some quarters. Or is it going to be far tighter than that? Love to get your verdict on those uh, topics. Almost 19 minutes after 10. Back after this. Don't be shy. Join us. We won't bite unless you ask. This is the Saturday session. I'm Daniel McCarty rolling solo. Ben Francis is here holding my hand, though. That's nice. 0800-150-811-8833. That's our phone and text line. Love you to play a part. No one wants to talk to me today. I'm emotionally scarred, Ben. Emotionally scarred. You, interesting, interesting little yarn off here, uh, Ben Francis and I. Well, interesting in my mind, anyway. We, we know and we love Ben Francis for his loyalty, his passion, his unwavering, dying love of his sporting teams. Not always the case, interestingly enough. Yes, we do know the number one Warriors fan 
always believe. It's always coming home. It's always our year. But you're a big, um, and we've thrown questions out to NFL fans in New Zealand, who wins and why. You were a big Eagles fan, but you divorced them? Yeah, I... I, what, I what, what, what did they do? What did they do? Like, how can you compare the Eagles and the... You can't, can you? No, like, I, I supported the Eagles, and I actually remember getting off work early and things like that to go watch Eagles games, and that's what it was like. And <laughs> used to wag. Yeah, you, used, to, used to wag. I used to do all sorts. Um, there's been many great memories. There was a game against the Giants where I think the Eagles came back from about 28 points down, and Deshaun Jackson scored this incredible punt return on the last play of the game to win it. Absolutely incredible. But I was explaining to you he that was fun. they got rid of Andy Reid and brought in a guy called Chip Kelly, and he pretty oh, much ru- he ruined the franchise. And ever since then, I, I, just, got, I just went off them after you, that. You bin them. I bin them. You bin them. Yeah. My lord, what a quickie divorce too. Yeah. Didn't take long. Nah. Didn't take long. Sporting teams you've di- you've divorced as far as uh, your your fandom listener. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. You can text us on double eight double three. Um, ben Francis divorced the Eagles. You know you're not you're not going to go back to them on bended knee like take me back, take me back, take me back. Now you're back in the Super Bowl. Surely you can't do that. Once once you once you bin them, Ben, you can't go back. So you can't, I, I do not want to see you claiming any glory on Monday if, uh, if the Eagles get up and win. You can't do that, Ben. You can't do that, Ben. Uh, 0800-150-811. You can text us on double eight double three. Uh, coming up a little bit later, we will talk some cricket. Um, don't worry, you'll hear his dulcet tones. Uh, Grant Elliott uh, will be along uh, shortly um, to pick over, you know, just a chock of cricketing calendar. Are we going to Gary, is it? Hello? Are we? No, he's just dropped off. I got my hopes up. Is that someone on one, Ben? No, it's not. Okay. Well, that ends that. Um... <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Don't know what you're calling for. Uh, our number is 0800 so no regrets about your divorce, Ben Francis? Now they're back in the Super Bowl? You're not writing love letters again? Dear Eagles, please take me back. Please take me back. I Forgive me. I'm sorry. I was, I was too hasty. 27 minutes after 10 o'clock. We will uh, take a short break coming up. Um, myriad of uh, cricketing topics to get into. Um, we will talk some cricket... I think, we, I think we aptly named it Swinging Both Ways prior to Christmas. Uh, talking cricket with PGG Wrightson. PGG Wrightson Turf, key suppliers of New Zealand cricket grounds. Back after this break to catch up with the one, the only, Mr Grant Elliott. 29 minutes away from 11. Our number's 0800 Thank you, Gary, for using it. Good morning to you, sir. Do I find you well? Good morning, Daniel. Yes, you do, mate. Another beautiful day down here in Wellington, eh? Oh, title town. Another title coming our way today, right? Well, here's hoping. Unfortunately, we're going to have to sit down and watch it on the telly rather than sitting down out at the base and watching it. Even though you finish top of the pool by a country mile, you don't get to have a home final. It's yeah, it's, um, it is. And it, it's the one sort of big black mark against the, the structure. Um, they, they obviously want them at the same ground, you know, probably for broadcasting reasons. But, 
Yeah, it's, it's hugely disappointing. And you're so right. I, yeah, I know they lost their last game, but eight wins on the bounce. You talk about a team deserving to have a home final. There's, um, you know, you're going to have to go a long way to find one who is more deserving. Yeah, that's, that's dead right. And, I mean, we need that sort of home advantage as well because, obviously, the team's decimated with the loss of all the white turns, and we rely quite heavy on them for you know, scoring the bulk of our runs normally. I think fielding-wise, we're all right. Um, I think we still match up really good there. But, um, yeah, it's such a shame. I'm, I'm sure that would stand up as a, you know, a standalone game. You, you, we would get a crowd there at the Basin today to watch them. Well, you've been getting crowds at the Basin all summer, haven't you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's the best place to watch cricket in the country. I mean, and we have good weather. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that. In. The Hagley Oval, the Hagley Oval crowd will disagree. Hey, you've got two finals today, yeah. guys. Don't don't complain too much. But you're a little bit new. I had to take your nervy, Gary, as we wrap this up. You're a little bit nervy well, about that final. Yeah, I am a little bit. And like I say, the batting wise, I think we, you know, we really rely on you know Merely Kerr, Matty Green, scoring a hell of a lot of our runs um, up top. I'm not sure. If the girls that are there now, are, well, they're obviously not that calibre, but um, yeah, we struggle a bit there. So it's more about putting the total on that worries me. The fielding side, no, I think we're good. Our, our B team, as it pr- pretty much is, still stacks up there bowling and fielding, I think. But hey, yeah, good on you, Gary. I've got to fly, mate. Great to chat to you, mate. Call, ba- call back again soon. Thank you. I do appreciate it. G'day, Mark. You're going to talk, talk about sporting teams you've divorced. Uh, the All Blacks. What? What have you divorced the them Blacks. for? Don't they, they? They win quite a few games, don't they? No, they don't. They've lost their aura. They've just become a money-making um, elite organisation. Um, the, the the players now just seem to, you know, all these silly broadcasts we keep getting now about players going to play in Japan. Well, everyone knew they were going to go and play in Japan because that's where they were going to get their money. And I'm I'm not against players earning the best dollar while they can on their short lifetime, but it just becomes so predictable. And tell me how Razor Robinson is and the all-back coach, um, you know, just on ability and potential. It's just just crazy. Yeah, I look at his and resume. I, and I think they've lost they're, they're, the aura. I look at his they're, resume and I can't pick too many holes in your, your point of view there. <laughs> it's like, what else yeah. can that guy do? Well, exactly. So what's know, the divorce what difficult? Have was the divorce... Was the divorce difficult? Oh, no. Like, do you still watch, no, do you well, still watch games? No, I try not. Oh, no, I actually don't now. I, I actually, I'm a, wow. I'm a day one supporter, warrior supporter, but... Um, Good man. Um, the, uh, the, the All Blacks have just, it's just become, a, a, you know, a, a corporation, you know, where the, the fat boys at the top get all the money and the players get a little bit and everyone else gets stuff because... We can rely on you watching and keeping our revenue up, you know, and we don't have to do anything for you. So I just, I've, they've lost the aura, and I mean, this coaching debacle, you know, it, who loses to Ireland? Who loses to Argentina? And then gets away with it. My God, you know. <laughs> can they I, win I, you back? Can they win you back? No, well, I, can I, they get you back? I, can you, will you marry them again one day? No, because they, they have to change their whole mantra. They can't just be. All about the glory. They have to be about the, the grassroots. We've lost grassroots. We've lost everything. They've just become a corporation, you know. Let's feed the shareholders and bugger everyone else.
Yeah, and the, and the problem with, uh, you know, putting all your cattle on international rugby, you get so few games here in New Zealand, don't you? How, how many games a year do we get? What, half a dozen? And half, most of them are played in the middle of the night elsewhere. At least with your Warriors every second week, you know you can go and actually see them yeah. with your own eyes yeah. at the ground if you want. And, I, and I, I'm a broken record. I've been talking about this for 10 years, Mark. Um, and I, I understand. I understand where... where why rugby fans feel like you um, and, and why you do. Good to chat, Mark. Call yeah. some other time, I do. I appreciate it, mate. 0800 Um If you want to talk Super Bowl, make a prediction, um, feel free. Uh, right now, though, it is time to talk some cricket with my dearest friend. Yes, my dearest friend, former New Zealand international. It's part of our um, Swinging Both Ways, the cricketing segment on this uh, show. Uh, with PGG Rights and Turf, premium suppliers of turf, seed and maintenance products to cricket grounds across New Zealand. Hello, Grant Elliott. Where are you? Hello, Daniel. Hello, Ben. Benjamin. Um, is it fair to say that I... Can I say I love swinging both ways? Is that possible? Or <laughs> is that... Well, I don't know, mate. I, not, I, I don't know. I love the show. Well, I you, love swinging both ways. You, <laughs> you, used to, you used to swing it both ways, little handy out duckers. I did, yeah. Could, I had an in-swing at Neverbrook. Never got wickets, the in-swinger. Never. <laughs> How you been, mate? You've been a busy boy. Jet-setting yeah. around New Zealand with, with your spark duties. And then, then I, did I hear you in India? Yeah, I was, I was in India. That was very interesting. Um, I think I may have got a little dose of the vid. I don't know. I tested negative. But, geez, it felt like some nice little bug towards the end. Um, and then... I was on the plane from Dubai to Auckland and um, two hours in, because you, you get Wi-Fi on the plane, and I was getting these messages showing me Auckland Airport and how it was underwater. And I said to cabin crew, I said, well, we're not flying in there. I said, if by chance can you, you speak to the captain, just let him know that I'm quite keen to go to Melbourne because the Aussie Open was on. And um, anyway, six and a half <laughs> hours into the flight, the uh, the captain said this. You captain speaking. Sorry, we're turning this big bird around back to Dubai. So we did thirteen hours to nowhere. I left Dubai, arrived in Dubai, and I've never seen so many grumpy people arrive at a destination. Wow, that is an interesting decision. You would you would have yeah. It just, take us to Melbourne. There's at least some tennis going on there. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. The Australians wouldn't let us uh, land there. And um, I'm actually at my son's cricket uh, game which is due to start in about 20 minutes. And um, his team is called the Courtlangs. And you'll know it very well, uh, Daniel. You're a collegiate yes. man. And yes. uh, Bert Courtlang. So they name it after prominent cricketers that played for Collegians Cricket Club. And Bert Courtlang was an Australian. He played uh, 15 games for um, New South Wales and then from between 1910 and 1912. And then he went to Wellington, where he played um, for, uh, 12 games for Wellington. So... We're called the Burt Courtlangs team. So, yeah, I'd, I don't I'd know like to know, where, where, where do the Collegians McCarty's play? And they're uh, definitely not named after this one. That will probably be the next intake, I think, of uh, year, um, year threes. <laughs> they're lining up a few names because they're running out of names, aren't they? So, yeah, the, the McCarty's, I'll let you know. And they'll be sponsored know, by STNZ. Brilliant. All right, my friend, lots of cricket to get into. Let's talk about the most recent. Uh, South Africa losing to Sri Lanka in the opening game of the uh, T20 World Cup in front of a loud, boisterous crowd, but the home fans couldn't see the home sides uh, through. Insert your own joke about South Africa not handling pressure at ICC World Tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I know, the perennial uh, chokers. But 
Uh, it was that niggly score, 129, and they, they got it for just four down, Sri Lanka, batting first. And um, I think that when you looked at this competition, you would have said, looking at the table, uh, that New Zealand are in. You've got Sri Lanka, Aussie, New Zealand, Bangladesh, and South Africa. You would have thought that South Africa would be the quarterfinal for New Zealand. Yes. Um, probably expected to lose against Aussie. I hope not. I hope it's a different story, just like the men's team. And on that point... I think that, you know, we spoke about the, the Black Caps and how they had a mental block against Australia. And they did something. They did something prior to that T20 game, uh, the, the opening game of the World Cup, because we came out and Finn Allen was smacking Stark over his head. And they were just ultra aggressive and never allowed Aussie to get into the game. So I think that, the um, uh, you know, the, the, the women's team, they're going to have to try and find that mental edge in this competition. I feel like we've always fallen over when we get to a big game. Um, and now, whether that South African game will be a big one or not, I think it's going to make this table really interesting, and it's too early to say what's going to happen. It does make it complicated for South Africa. Sort of shades of New Zealand losing to the West Indies in the opening game of the Women's uh, One Day World Cup. It means they've got very little sort of runway to deal with. Um, if they have another misstep, that, that could be terminal for them. So, conversely, it might help New Zealand longer term. But overall, we should have, we should have what, a decent chance now? Uh, probably a, a higher than that of making it through to the semi-finals. The, the skill of this team and the strength of this team lends itself more to T20 than one-day cricket, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem with these competitions, Daniel, is like you can't think too far ahead. You've got to get excited for every game. And then you have to have yeah. consistency yeah. in your preparation before every game, whether you're playing Sri Lanka or whether you're playing Australia, your preparation is consistent. Your team is consistent. Everyone should know their roles by now. They've spent enough time warming warming up, you know, warm-up games and that. And they should be able to hit the ground running. And, you know, if you can show that level of consistency, then you've got a chance of showing consistent performances. So it's just one game at a time. Um, and, you know, this, this White Ferns team... They've got quite a, a, a tough, tough run in because they play Australia and then they play South Africa straight after. So, you know, whether it's licking your wounds from Australia, if you beat Australia, you go, wow, you still can't think too far ahead. Um, then you've got South Africa straight away and then obviously Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, which you're expected to win. But, you know, with Sri Lanka now, they'll be quite buoyed by this, uh, this win and they'll be eyeing up a semi-final berth. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting time. Um, you know, fraught with... You know, danger, the calibre of opposition. You know, come Wednesday morning, New Zealand time. In a lot of ways, it could be all over. It could be all over, or you are in the utter box seat to make it through to the semi-finals. Yeah, and remember, this game um, against Australia comes just before the uh, women's IPL auction, so there's a there's a little bit to play for as well. And I remember in the men's team, you know, when when there was an auction happening, you know, um, think of that Michael Bracewell innings in India. You know, if he had done that just before an auction, who knows what would have happened. So, um, yeah, all eyes on some sort of women's IPL, which is exciting for a lot of those players that are in that. Um, but whether they've got one eye on that as well, I think there'll be a lot of chat about the women's IPL uh, during this competition. There probably shouldn't be. Um, but uh, I, I think it's very difficult to, to try focus when you've got the, you know, that little uh, nugget of women's IPL hanging over you as well. 
Well, that is the marquee uh, world tournament going on at the moment. We've got a lot of other topics to power through. Um, our domestic uh, cricket uh, T20 competition, the Dream 11 Super Smash, comes to an end today. Double header at Hagley. You've got the Blaze top qualifiers in the women's competition having to go to Christchurch and play away from home, funnily enough, against Canterbury in that one um, before it is uh, the men's turn. How do you see these two finals playing out? Uh, is, it, is it still fair to say Blaze will still start as rooms to be warm favourites? Uh, I actually don't think so, Daniel. I, I just think Amy Satterthwaite factor. Uh, yeah, Canterbury, best player there. Best player I, I there. Think, well, I think she might be the best player and best batter in New Zealand at the moment, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, she, she's been phenomenal. And you, you think back to them omitting her from the, the contract list and you go, oh, she's one of only huh? two left-handers in the world game. And you think, wow, like, you know, surely she could have been involved in some sort of capacity, even as, a, you know, someone to just create a little bit of calmness in the change room if they weren't going to select her, um, especially in a world tournament where there's a lot of pressure on. And, you know, I've said this before, but, you know, I think that experienced players and older players in pressure situations will perform a lot better than younger players. And yeah. the, the reason being is because they've, they've, they've got their battle scars. And um, anyway, that, I, I think that um, the Satterthwaite factor is a big one going into this game. Um, and Canterbury obviously smashing Otago in the elimination uh, final. Um, and uh, the Blaze obviously lost uh, their last game against the Hearts. So they had a 20-game a um, win streak, and that came to an end. So it's very difficult when you have a lot of international players leaving. And I used to have that with the Firebirds coming and going because your roles change. So you get like fully adapted and used to a role, and then suddenly all those international players leave, and then the roles change. So I think Canterbury going as home favourites, uh, but it will be a good game. This finals cricket, it's anyone's game. Men's final, Addy Sir. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I, I'm going to have to go for Canterbury again. Um, I think Northern, they obviously played a great elimination final, but Northern... They, they haven't been the most consistent team. And I think Canterbury are on a little bit of a run. Um, they started slowly, and it almost feels like they're a team with a little bit of momentum. Um, you know, the, they've, they lost their last two from three, but there was a period, you know, through the middle where they were playing great cricket. And um, I think they've got all the tools there. Um, I think that being a home final, a bigger field, I think that makes a, a, a difference. Hagley's one of the bigger fields. It's like playing at, uh, at the Basin Reserve. Um, and they've had a, a fair bit of consistency through their team. Um, once again, I think probably balanced, but I'd probably give the batting lineup to, to Canterbury rather than to, to Northern at this stage. So um, it could be a Canterbury double. Ouch! Turn off your phone, Grant. Turn off your phone if that's the case. Um, yeah. You know, you know that you, know. you know the messages are going to be flying, flying from the village of the damned. Uh, let's go to te- the Test Arena. We'll wrap this up in about three minutes and get back to watching your boy play cricket. Um, rightly so. Uh, Australia find out rocking up to India, not playing a warm-up game, um, and expecting to do great things is not a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had um, they they uh, introduced um, that player Murphy. I turned on the. The TV. I was like, I hadn't really heard of him, to be honest. So, um, yeah, he does. But to play two off spinners was was really interesting. Nathan Lyon and him. So, um, what I learned in India, just in my recent time, is you get red soil and you get black soil. The red soil is the one that actually turns a mile. 
So I think Australia are really struggling now. Rohit Sharma 100 was unbelievable. Um, but India are properly in the box seat here, 150 runs ahead. Um, and, you know, it stumps a day too. So Australia just scoring 177. And there, there's a lot of players that have played in India, and I don't think it is the sort of place that you can just turn up and, and, and play, you know, good cricket against them. You need time in the middle. Um, Labushain was the only one that sort of almost got in, but there was a lot of 40s and 30s in the team. So um, it looks flat, though. It does look flat, but it will turn. Um, and, yeah. you know, when you turn on the TV and you see Scotty Bullant bowling 135 k's an hour with the keeper standing up, and the slips <laughs> almost look like they're selling it off and selling it on. It's like, it's never a good feeling as a fast bowler when the keeper says, do you mind if I stand up? So, you know, it's quite flat. And, um, yeah, yeah, it just plays into India's hands. I mean, they're, they're phenomenal in their own conditions. I saw it in the one-day cricket, and it'll be the same in the test match. Um, and, you know, like when you play against Australia, you start at the Gabba, they dominate you on a bouncy-seeming deck with their fast bowlers, and it's how you recover from the first loss. So it'll be fascinating to see how, how Aussie go, um, not only in this test, but just in the, the tests that follow. Yeah, uh, eight bowls or LBW in the first innings uh, doesn't bode well um, for Australia. That, that's quite a worrying number. Hey, Grant, Conway, Latham, Williamson, Nichols, Mitchell... Blundell, Bracewell, Jameson, Southey, Henry. Is, I've got 10 names. Who else plays? I don't think Jameson will play in the first test, from what no? I've heard. I think that, no, I think he's on sort of bowling loads or something. Um, so right. I think he'll play in the, the Wellington test. Are you, did you, are you missing Wagner? Yeah, he's not, I, I, I don't know who to pick out of Sodi Tickner and Wagner. But if Jameson's not there, Wagner and Yeah, Sody? you have to go Wagner. You have to go Wagner. Um, and, and Bracewell, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if, if Bracewell gets the nod. I, I, I really am unsure. I mean, you know, historically, we've just played seam. So we've just played yeah, who seam bats bowlers. At seven? So I think... Who bats at seven? We've got to wrap this up. All right, mate. You're a good man. I know you boys got to go play. We'll talk about this down the line, hopefully. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it. Go yeah. have a great day. Good luck to the boy. Come on. Let's go to the court lanes. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Ben. We're at the top of the hour. Coming up after this very short break, the very latest in sports headlines, and we'll talk at the NRL All-Stars game. We've got live coverage of that right here on SENZ with our dynamic duo of one Sam Hewitt alongside Tony Kemp. Kemp is going to join me to educate me, enlighten me about all the key matchups across the board. Can't wait to catch up with him. In the next hour, we'll um, have our um, Workhorse of the Week nominations come through. If you want to uh, play a part on that, double eight, double three, get them uh, through. Um, I've got my sights set on someone who actually didn't take to the field, didn't play, uh, but has certainly given me a lot of things to play with uh, during the week. Also on the show, we will talk the NFL's show-stopping uh, Super Bowl, Monday morning New Zealand time. The Eagles up against the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll actually catch up with uh, a Philadelphia reporter to talk about their return to relevance. That is all still to come. On the other side of the break, though, the very latest in sports headlines. We'll catch up with Kempi about quarter past. Bang on 11am. Hope you're all doing well. Love you to play a part in the program. Our number is 0800-150-811. If you want to text us with your messages, the pithier the better. Temper bedpost text machine, uh, double eight, double three, go on, uh, fire through.
your comments. Um, if you have backed up, we'll get to those shortly. Temper bed post, uh, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. I need one of those in the Wellington studio. I'd like to do this show from a relaxed position. <clears throat> Everyone else doesn't around the country. It's a terrible posture. Isn't there, Ben? Like some of the SENZ hosts. Terrible uh, posture. I, I don't think Sit I'm... Sit up! Pay attention! I don't think I'm in a position to comment, Daniel. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, but someone in a glass building should never throw stones, a wise person once told me. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that phrase. I like uh, it. probably rings quite true. Yeah. yeah. Remember it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, trademarked me. Uh, let's get to sporting headlines at the top of the hour. Guess who's back? He's back again. This guy's kind of a big deal in his sport. He's made a lot of people very, very rich. Tiger Woods will play in next week's PGA Tour event in Los Angeles, making his return to competitive golf after a seven-month absence as he recovers from injuries sustained in a car crash back in 2021. The former ward number one, who his parents have been limited to in the past two years uh, since that car accident that left him with severe leg injuries, uh, last played at the British Open back in July. Uh, he is still box office. Um, battered body. Still, there'll be plenty of eyeballs um, on him for sure. Looking forward to, to following his progress. Uh, he has had several surgeries and has had drastically restricted mobility as a result of that car crash. So uh, we wish him well on his return. Uh, there's been a shock to start the Women's T20 World Cup in South Africa after the host nation lost to Sri Lanka by three runs. Um, South Africa needed 130 for victory, but only could manage 126 for the loss of nine. The loss will, with some controversy after South African star batter, Adani Van Neerkirk, a left star batter, Dani Van Neerkirk, from the World Cup squad after she failed a fitness test, missing out by 18 seconds uh, when the limit to compete at a 2K run uh, was 9 minutes and 30 seconds. I'm really torn on this one, Ben. Should a 2K run be the determining factor whether or not you make it to a tournament or not? And how relevant is it to cricket? Well, I put it this way, I, I wouldn't be in the World Cup squad if that was the case. Nor would I. So, soon they'll be judging people on how quick they are between the wickets. And then I'll definitely never get a chance. <laughs> like a snail on the back of a tortoise. <clears throat> and English rugby coach, Steve Borthwick. Still strange to say. Steve Borthwick has dropped Marcus Smith and selected Owen Farrell to start at first 5-8. Um, against Italy in the Six Nations. Borthwick uh, has moved as captain from inside centre where he played in the defeat to Scotland. How good is Scotland? International rugby is bananas, isn't it, Ben? And long may that continue. Oh, one fantastic. Really ex- it's one thing that's exciting me about the sport at the moment is how topsy-turvy the international game has been over the last 18 months. Ollie Lawrence partners uh, Henry Slade in a new centre partnership for England with Joe Marchant, not in the 23. Uh, there is the very latest in sports headlines to four minutes after 11 o'clock. Uh, the text line, double eight double three, the Temper Bear Post text line. Um, some guy Grant texting in, what sort of darts form has Ben Francis in? 
I was actually I was actually talking to Grant and he's he might have diagnosed me with an injury because I said I haven't really been playing much darts and I explained why, and he said oh it could be I think it's tunnel carpal, or carpal tunnel one of the way rounds. So yeah, I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter. So uh, he's he's essentially Doctor Grant has diagnosed me with that uh, over the phone. So I might have to go see an actual doctor next week. Wow. So can you tell me the symptoms? Uh, sometimes I'll be throwing and I just get this like sharp shooting pain on my wrist, and then even even I'll wow. just be I'll just be typing <laughs> on the keyboard, and then you, you just get it just we, it just comes on. We random. all know what's going on there. We all know what's going on there. Do we? Yeah. I don't think my partner would approve. No, you've got a sore wrist, haven't you? Yeah. Got to get that fixed. Go go to a doctor. Carpal tunnel syndrome is caused by pressure on a median nerve. I do know that from my time at medical school. Dr. Google School. That's where I went, Dr. Google. Dr. Google University. Graduated with first class honours. All, all of us have gone to Dr. Google University. But here's a tip. When you go to your doctor, just tell them your symptoms. Don't tell them what you've got, as so many people do. I've got carpal tunnel sy- syndrome, doctor. Just tell me your symptoms. Um, apparently, the carpal tunnel is a narrow, narrow passageway surrounded by bones and ligaments on the palm side of the hand. Is it on the palm side? It is on the palm side. <laughs> when the medium nerve is compressed, so you're compressing something on your palm side of your hand, and it's causing pain. Yes, I'm a child, okay? I'm a child, listener. Uh, Chris writes, so Australian media complained about India doctoring the pitch so the left-handers will struggle, but Jadeja and Axar look pretty comfortable. That they do, Chris, and I'm glad you raised that because that's an important partnership in this context of the game because Australia, 177 all out, yeah, people will complain, oh, it's a raging turner from, well, actually it was the new ball that opened up the middle order, wasn't it? They, they removed uh, both their uh, openers for one. Uh, that Shami and Siraj both got a wicket there, did their job, and then, you know, Jadeja and uh, Ashwin went to work. Um, I, I think Australia made a couple of interesting selections in the middle order. What's Travis Head done? Well, I saw Travis Head doing over summer in Australia scoring runs at a great ro- a rate of knots in test cricket. I, I don't know if they were fearful of the left-handed element or maybe susceptible to spin, but... You know, Renshaw got a first baller and Hanscom only uh, 31. So they've hardly, um, you know, smashed the doors down. Uh, but uh, you are right about Jadeja and Axa. Um, Jadeja 66 not out, backing up the 5 for 47. He's got, what a player he is. And Axa Patel's 52 not out. Yeah, when they came together, India was struggling at 240 for the loss of seven. So they've put on, what's that, 81 runs uh, for the eighth wicket and pushed that, uh, def- uh, that lead from about 64, which is by no means, um, you know, devastating to 144, which probably means India win this test, I would have thought. It's going to be very hard for Australia, I would think, from here on in. You may uh, want to disagree, and your best uh, way to do that is uh, let me know on double eight double three. But thank you very much, Chris, uh, for that very interesting uh, observation. Um, and we've got one here from Richie, writes, look at this, look at it this way. This is based on me having a bit of a whinge with Gary about Blaze winning eight of ten games, sorry, eight games in round robin and still can't, you know, host a final at the Basin Reserve. Uh, Richie writes, look at it this way, victory will be even sweeter when the Blaze beat them on their home turf, just like the Lions last year. Go the Blaze. Thank you, Richie, for the optimism and reminding me that Wellington is the home of the uh, MPC and the Ramfordy Shield. Were you aware of that, Ben? 
not sure if we've talked about that much on this podcast. No, because remember uh, what you say that about the Ranfleur Shield and NPC, uh, NPC rugby is so irrelevant now, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, fair enough. You might as well have like the chess world title there, something actually relevant in today's society. I love chess. What's, why do you hate chess so much? I'm not hating chess. I, chess? I, I said the trophy is more relevant because there's more interest in chess than our domestic rugby competition. Yeah, but I would have thought that was probably the case before. <laughs> or am I completely mis- misreading how popular chess is? Am I living in a bubble where I think chess, the World Chess Champion, has a bit of stature about them? Anyway, I'll move on to Carlos from Christchurch. Oh, this is going to be this is going to be terse, isn't it? Carlos from Christchurch, who writes Morina Daniel. In reflection, I've concluded there's more chance of the Loch Ness monster being hit by a UFO driven by Elvis than the Black Caps winning the first test. Wow. Well, Carlos, you'll be running. You'll be running to get on England at two dollars forty. What I what I saw earlier, by by the sounds, that should be paying a dollar oh one. Carlos, I didn't expect you to finish that message with the black caps. I was expecting something else. I appreciate it. There was an interesting nugget. Grant Elliott dropped on his intel. Grant Elliott's intel. I don't know who's who he's been speaking to, um, suggesting Kyle Jameson will not play the first test. Bowling loads, and he's more likely to feature in the test match against uh, England at the Basin Reserve. That's test match number two. So how does that change my team? Well, markedly, because I had him lined up at number eight. And now my team, um, uh, I'm going to have to find some matches to burn that bit of paper. I'm going to have to start again. Go back to go. Do not collect $200. A bit like Sean Marks. That was one of our questions from the last uh, hour. How do you mark Sean Marks' role um, at the the Nets? I feel like he's, I don't know, flunked his third-year course at university and has had to go back and do it again. No, he was looking, he was was going great. He was going great. He was looking like he was going to get invited to honours. But then I don't know, like, got a little bit carried away. Drunk the Kool-Aid. Missed a few classes. His players especially. And now he's back at the start. Um, I'd love to get uh, NBA fans after that crazy week in Nets country. How do we mark Sean Mark's job at uh, the Nets? Do let us know on double eight double three. Uh, always appreciate your contribution. Really do. Really do. You can always pick up the phone 0800 uh, Ben Francis and other rugby league heads are frothing at the mouth. Well, they always are, aren't they? That's the, the beauty of league fans. They're a passionate bunch and I absolutely love it. Um, the NRL season is nearly upon us nearly upon us. Pre-season games matter so much in this competition, don't they, Ben? It's our year. It's coming home, based on one pre-season game. But there's a lot of very good rugby league players in New Zealand at the moment. The NRL All-Stars game uh, is coming to you live right here on SCNZ. Uh, Kempe alongside Sam Hewitt. Sam Hewitt will have the call. Kempe providing incisive expert analysis uh, throughout uh, the commentary. And uh, we're going to be uh, joined by... um, Kempi after this uh, break. We'll take a short break and then we'll talk the NRL uh, All-Stars game. Stay with us. Time is 16 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. Daniel McCarty alongside producer extraordinaire Mr. Ben Francis who dropped an interesting nugget on me earlier. Big loyal loyal fan. We only need to know, um, hear about his love for the Warriors week in, week out on the show and we love it. We, we love the dedication and the trials and tribulations he's gone through. But he did he dropped a nugget on us that he divorced his beloved uh, Philadelphia Eagles because they hired one coach and things went south one season. Sporting teams you've divorced that you no longer support and the reasons why, Double eight, double three. do let us know. 
Uh, my next guest wouldn't have divorced any sporting team that he's followed. He's too loyal. He, he understands sport, Ben Francis, is not always plain sailing. He'll be on the wireless later this evening. He's part of the Extraordinary Breakfast Show right here on SCNZ. He is the one, the only Mr. Tony Kemp. No one looks as good in a singlet as Kempy. G'day, Kempy. How are you? <laughs> hey, morning, Dan. I'm real good, mate. Actually, I've just been out um, with, with the guns out, walking around Tamaki Makoto ah. up here before the, uh, before, before the skies open and Mother Nature shed some tears because there's meant to be plenty of rain coming. Um, but, yeah, no, it's a, like you said, mate, it's, you've, got to, you've got to ride those highs with the lows when you're... A sports, uh, a sports follower, and you can't just always take the good times because bad times are not too far around the corner. Exactly, and that's why Ben Francis cannot send us any messages on Monday afternoon if the Eagles get up and win the Super Bowl, that he wants them back, that he wants to remarry. You know, it's not Liz Taylor and Burton, is it? Uh, Richard Burton. You've, ju- you've just got to stick it out, Kempe. That's, that's what sport's all about. Well, they say... Yeah, these people that burn jerseys and 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 say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be a season ticket holder anymore because you've signed this coach. Or, you know, they're not they're not real fans. They're uh, they're they're Teflon. You know, they're so um, I feel sorry for Ben because they probably won't win the Phillies. Um, I'm backing Patty Mahomes to get up and get MVP and and do another clinic. Um, so you, maybe we might not see Benny for a few days if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're here to talk rugby league. Um, first call of the season. Can you be your fizz for this? What's your pre-match routine? Oh, yeah, I'm actually just talking to Sammy Hewitt about when we get in. We've um, we caught up, obviously, we do um, plenty of league on the on the Bricky show with me and Izzy, and then me and Sammy do run in it straight on a Wednesday and then call it this weekend. Um, got a little bit excited on Thursday night when the Warriors ran out and did, did a number on the Tigers, even though they were too... Uh, you would say reserve grains teams with a sprinkling of first graders. Uh, it was good to see uh, the footy back on and the trials being played. Um, but this game, this this one tonight between the, Ind- the Indigenous All Stars and the Maoris is um, something pretty special uh, because it's the first time that they've brought it down under and played yeah. it here in Rotorua. Uh, you can't get any accommodation down there um, at the moment, so which is real good signs. They probably pack it out, and even though they've had probably half a dozen quality players pull out of the game. Uh, you've still got Latrell Mitchell, Jack White and uh, Cody Walker, um, just to name three in the in the Indigenous All-Star side, um, with young Cobbo on the wing, who I think is your first try scorer tonight, if you want to have a little bit of a bet with the TAB, uh, bet responsibly. And then on the other side, you look at the forward pack of the Māoris, and you've got Fisher-Harris, uh, Joe Tarpany and, and Jordan Iki in that that side. Um, so it's, it's really a, a battle of the forwards for the Māoris against a battle of the backs for the Indigenous tonight. And, and it should be exciting. You know, played, played at a good, good pace and, and, and plenty of tough blokes out there. You're so right about uh, mentioning Rotorua um, and being here in New Zealand. That's going to add so much to the occasion, isn't it, Kempe? There's no doubt about it. We probably can't overplay it. It really is going to you know, uh, make it quite special. You know, look, I don't know if you know, Dan, but they play the Rangatahi tournaments in Rotorua every year from uh, from under-14s right through to senior grade. And the reason they do that, because it's in the centre of the North Island and everyone around the Mutu can get to it um, and generally drive there to support it. And, and the same thing why they've taken this game down to Rotorua so that you can actually um, furnish the, 
the, the, the game to the whole of the North Island. So a lot of people will be driving up from Wellington. I know Fano from Taranaki are heading over there. You've got plenty of people going down from the far north as well. Um, and to go into Rotorua, I guess, because the, the Māori tournaments are being played there, and if you've been watching the socials all week of how the council and the community have really put it on for these two teams to get there, um, it's something special. So I hope the rain stays away. I know that it feels like there's definitely something in the air where I was out walking this morning, but I hope it stays away till at least 8 o'clock tonight when, when, when the game finishes. Because if we get a nice dry ground, then we're going to see some exciting football. I don't know um, if it's a big deal or not. It's certainly got a lot of attention. Uh, players withdrawing at this time of the year, their day job is to prepare for the NRL. People are going to have their reasons. Uh, and this is, I, I guess, maybe one of the concerns of the timing of this game, that you're always going to have sort of moving parts. Uh, what, what's your overall thoughts on, you know, late, late withdrawals? Is it taking some luster off it, some shine off it? Or uh, are you a little bit more like me, sort of sees it pragmatically? No, look, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm not pragmatic about it at all. You know, like the NRL came out and made a song and dance about it um, and bringing it to New Zealand, basically because the Warriors have spent three years over in, in uh, Australia because of COVID. So you, you, you make a song and dance about it, um, you should be really furnishing it with the best players of Indigenous and Māori descent to play in this game. So New Zealand, who have been starved of rugby league for three years, gets a chance to see the best in the competition. So having players pull out, I think, has taken the shine off, off this game. Um, I think the timing is terrible, given the fact that they knew that mm. the World Cup was on and most of the stars wouldn't be back at training till the second week of January. So you've only got players back training with their clubs um, for two to three weeks. And, and that's why I think a number of these excuses have been put on the table because coaches have said, well, you're actually not ready to play in a game and we can't afford to lose you. Um, kickoff, which is in another three weeks' time. So it, it, it is disappointing because a number of really good players have pulled out. You know, there's no Joey Manu, there's no Jared Warrior Hargraves, uh, Josh Adokar pulled out. Um, and and when, you're, when you're taking arguably the best finisher in the game and Josh Adokar, the best player in the world, uh, Golden Boot winner um, Joey Manu out, then really you, you've, you've got to say that this game isn't what it should be. Um, but hopefully people show up. Hopefully the NRL look at it. I think personally, Daniel, we play, played the week before the grand final. So, you know, let the Indigenous that make the grand final have their say, but make it a, a, a celebration of the final series. Um, and that way we get all the best players who the clubs don't need to worry about who are out of the competition to be able to put their players in this, in this game. Sort of a Pro Bowl-esque, but hopefully played with a little bit more intensity of the NFL's Pro Bowl. Yeah, so and you do you want it, you want a, a proper game. You don't want you know, um, which is it's okay to have kids coming back through and saying you know I've, I've picked up this jersey, but really it should be like a test match. I think it can rival Origin. I think the concept is perfect, um, and you've got to remember too, like it's it, it feels a bit tokenistic at the moment when really what yeah. we should be seeing are, are the absolute superstars of the game, which are Indigenous and Maori, being able to play in. Um, this internet into, in, in what should be a full-blown international. It's happened for Tonga and Samoa, um, and have a look where Samoa get into the World Cup final. Tonga, Tonga's a, a, a whisker away from it. Um, the same should be, you know, you're talking about the indigenous people of their country. You know, so it, it is tokenistic in my terms um, to the fact that it isn't given the respect that it, it really deserves. 
Well, the way you've articulated, I can completely understand. If they've talked it, talked it up, talked it up ad nauseum about what's it going to be and then have not delivered, you know, the game's uh, governing body, uh, it's completely understandable, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Like, they made a song and dance about it. You know, the Warriors have come out and said, you know, we're trying to get clubs to, to bring their game, their home games here, and the Warriors have taken a number of games. They're going to Wellington, down to Napier uh, this year to play games and out to the community, and the NRL have come out and held their hand up and said, yes, well, we've heard you, we're going to put this game here. Now, you've got to then say to the clubs, we want you to send the best players there. You know what I mean? But um, when you've lost 12 players, basically top liners out of the out of this game, you're going down, you're watching them, a bunch of kids with a with a sprinkling of, of top stars in the competition. It isn't what it what it's made out to be, mate. It's like you're going to pick up a car and you've been promised an Audi and you're going to pick up a mini. You know, so um, <laughs> I, I just I just think I just think in the future, like we should be um, paying respect to the two indigenous uh, yeah. whanau of both countries, the, the Aborigines and the Maori. Now they should be in a full blown test. They should be giving us. This should be test status and given the respect that the Tongans, the Samoans, Cook Islanders um, of all the Pacific get, yet we don't recognise that here. And the NZR, you know, the New Zealand Rugby League are to blame as well for not having the, the, the teeth to, to, to say that. Um, and, and people like me that stand up for that type of kaupapa, um, mm. we tend to get, we tend to get uh, shouted down because the game is actually in New Zealand. Well, it's okay having a game, but it's not okay having a token game. We actually want a full-blown test match status plate. And I think if you can do that, Joey Manu would love to pull that jersey on every year. You know what I mean? It'll be the first one on his calendar. He will not pull out. Um, and the same goes for Nelson Sifasolomona, uh, you know, Jared Warrior Hargraves. They know this is really a test match. It's not a trial match. Hey, speaking of Nelson, he's been in the news for a variety of reasons, whether it's, you know, <clears throat> suggesting, hey, I, I may even contemplate a switch to rugby with the Wallabies. I don't know if that's the old age sort of negotiating tactic, uh, you know, try to get people um, excited about, uh, you know, throwing bigger numbers his way. If it works, absolutely fantastic. I, I saw an interesting headline uh, him saying that the game's got too fast and it doesn't favour the small blokes, uh, the big blokes like him. I find that quite interesting. Can be, do, do you agree? Has the game got too fast? And, and can the game actually get too fast? Because it sort of goes against what a lot of critics of a lot of sports will go, you know, we want action, we want it fast-paced. But one of the joys of rugby league, it's a game for all shapes and sizes. There's a real charm to that for me. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great, great question. Um, can it get too fast for a big man? Look, I think men and humans are getting bigger every year, Daniel, to be honest. Like, I see 14-year-old kids... When I was 14, I was a big 14-year-old, but 14-year-olds these days are giants. You know, they're 110 kilos. They run like the wind. So um, will, it, will it be too fast for the big men? I think big, I think it is the game for big men. And Nelson is a, is a little bit bigger than men who <laughs> are big playing the game. You know what I mean? So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. There's big and then there's Nelson. And then there's Nelson, you know. So, uh, look. This is my take on it. I think Nelson's um, playing for a contract uh, in rugby league. Of course, you throw in the rugby 
um, conversation in there because what it does is it pumps up your worth and he will get an offer from Eddie Jones, no doubt, in the in the world and he can actually take that back to the Melbournes and the Brisbane's and whoever's after him and say, well, you match that and then I'm coming to you, you know. So I think it's a bit of a play on, on contract contractual talks. Um, but I think the big man is getting faster and, and his footwork are getting quicker anyway. I think there's always a place for the big man and there will always be a place for the big man in rugby league. Hey, uh, Kempi, thanks so much for dropping by, mate. I know you're really busy this week. I do appreciate appreciate it. Uh, just remind me, what are conditions like at the moment up up in Auckland? You, you're still yet to venture down. Um, is it holding? Um, you've had a rough ride up there, man. My heart goes out to everyone. Yeah, it, it, and it has been. You know, there's people still um, tidying up the damage that has happened over the last couple of weeks. It's uh, it's pretty devastating up here in Auckland. Uh, I would just think about the people. I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones that have, hasn't had to to clean up too much, um, unlike some neighbours that have, have really lost quite a bit. Um, and then you think, oh, no, it's coming again, and I've got to go through it all again. So at the moment, it's uh, it's windy, it's blown, I don't know, a, a fair knot up here. It feels like something's coming, um, and there's anticipation in the air. Uh, so, yeah, if you're, if you're out and about and you're listening, just stay safe out there. You too, Kempe. Appreciate it, mate. Have a great night. Enjoy the game. Sure you will. Any. Anytime, Dan. Let's talk to you, brother. Talk soon to you. Don't say that, mate. I'll call you every Saturday. You want at least one day off, mate. Uh, Tony Kemp joining us on the program. Of course, uh, part of Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. And we'll be alongside Sam Hewitt, uh, providing live uh, coverage right here on SCNZ of um, the All-Stars game. game that uh, could have um, so much more if you listen to Kempe and the way he's um, articulated his uh, views uh, ever so well there. Um, a real shame, uh, so many late withdrawals, uh, considering uh, how much this game has been talked about. Um, and he certainly uh, opened my eyes on, on that front. Um, your thoughts are welcome. Um, 11.30 is the time. Our league uh, expert on this program is Ben Francis. Who wins and why, Ben? Who's got, who's got the stronger lineup now? With those withdrawals, do you want my described it as a back a backline versus a forward pack battle? Do you want my honest answer on this, Daniel? I actually, I I always want, I always respect honesty. Okay, well, I actually don't know who's playing. I, like, I, I have not. Oh, wow. I've not paid much attention to it. I, okay. I, I get a bit frustrated with it being called an All Stars game because I see. Well, I know, I know certain players are in there, but I couldn't tell you who the seventeen is. And I think it, I like. Um, think, oh, great, you know, James Fisher Harris and guys like that are out there. But when I see guys who have played a couple of NRL games playing in an All Star game, that kind of I'm a bit like, oh, I can't really call it an All Star game. Like when it when it first started, and you had like the Indigenous team had uh, Preston Campbell running around Wendell Saylor and JT and things like that, like fantastic. But it just doesn't have that same feel. And we kind of spoke about this in the final series last year. Like I pay a lot more attention to the Warriors than anybody else. So that is clear. I've never seen a man so fizzed about. Uh, a preseason game involving the B lineups, uh, as you were. Uh, if you're enough, I, I've, you know, I've already booked it's your my, fandom. It's your life. I've, I've booked if you my, get lots of utility and pleasure out of it. Go, go, go forward, young man. I've booked, my, I've booked my tattoo in, mate. Like I'm, I'm, I'm that confident. What? <laughs> my my NRL. What, is it, what? My NRL Warriors 2023 NRL Champions tattoo is already booked in. Wow, where's this tattoo going to go? I don't know yet. And and every title they win, will you add in another year? I think I might put it on my like on my chest near my heart. And will you have to call them the One Warriors twenty twenty three? One Warriors, one title, or, baby. Yeah, 
Well, why don't you just go simple the year and then underneath, you know. And then, you know, by the end of your life, how many will you have? Down to your, Will it go from your shoulder to your elbow or, or down to your it's gonna, elbow? It's going gonna, it's gonna to go down as the, wrist. the Andrew Webster Warriors is going to go down as the greatest dynasty ever in rugby league history. There's going to be multiple. <laughs> you, you, ladies and gentlemen, boys, you think Warriors fans would learn by now, would have learned by now. It's our year. Just would have learned. It's our year. You, th- you think they would have learned by now, but no. Like a crack, like a crackhead, they go straight to the streets to find some more, <laughs> don't they? Uh, Who's got the Warriors crack? I got five bucks. <laughs> ben Francis, all over it. I hope, mate. Nothing would give me greater joy than actually working with you week in week out on the way to a title. I think it, I would get so much joy out of uh, you know seeing you have you know more highs than lows, which would be a good thing. But then t- towards the back end of the season, getting to elimination games, it would just be a wild ride. To, to be I fair, really do to hope. be fair, Daniel, I really do hope. The, but but I can't I can't stop thinking of a but. There's a but coming. I feel like there's always a but coming with this team. There, there probably always is. But, but. To, to be fair, if they did win, I would probably go MIA. Well, after the grand final, after the grand final, <laughs> I, I would I would just I'd just oh. I'd be sorry. I you would not you'd not be able to contact me. That's fair enough. I'd, I'd give you a month off. After the years you've had to suffer through, a month <laughs> off is probably enough, listener, isn't it? Or am I being a terror? I was going to say boss there. I'm not his boss. We're colleagues. I, I'd be happy if you said, Snake, I'm going to take four weeks off, mate. I'm going on a four-week post-Warriors winning a premiership bender. What would, where would you go, though? What would you do? Would you just like, go to your garage and cry like, emotionally, like, like happy tears? For a month, there'd, there'd be some weeping. There would definitely be some weeping, wouldn't there? At the very least, I have to plan this out. But, but part, <laughs> he's, already, but, he's, he's, he's planning his. He's already planning his postseason. You know, individual. You know, title. You know, title parade. A victory parade. What should he do on his victory parade, Warriors Nation? Double eight, double three, Temper Bird Post Expert. Come on, listen. Uh, Chime what should Ben Francis do? Uh, he's already preparing his own personal um, victory parade. I hope you're recording this. It was around about 25 past 11, half past 11, on the 11th of February uh, 2023 when we started talking about this. Um, I am interested to see where the Warriors are as far as uh, odds for the minor premiership. They're paying 126 bucks. What do you know that the TAB don't, Ben? It's my it's my expertise knowledge, Daniel. Expertise knowledge. Yeah, my I, how I because I never wear an eye patch. I'm completely. No, you don't. Maybe you should. <laughs> Maybe you should wear an eye patch. You know, to close that other eye. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like those people down in Canterbury. Yeah. No. Well, at least you got more of a chance of winning the league than my Liverpool. Well, I think it now currently paying three hundred and seventy-six dollars to win the English Premier League. Uh, I was, I was no, f- that will not. That will not be my sporting tip. You should probably uh, run a mile I, from. You don't know later how, today to end the show. You don't know how tempted I was to just to drop in the Ocho segment, which we'll be doing <laughs> shortly. Saying, "Oh, and by the way, Liverpool lost again." Again, we are dreadful. We are dreadful. I thought we were poor leading up to Christmas. 
Oh, oh have, these signs are have, have you seen the have you seen no, the table that they awful. they made this table right and it's I think it's the the 2023 standings where like all the results from January 1st onwards and Liverpool are last. We're, yeah, we haven't won a game this year. We're in February. January's the busiest month of the year. The Warriors have won They've more games than you, Daniel. The Warriors <laughs> have won more games than you. <laughs> They're on the same. I think we've got more competition points than the Warriors so far in 2023 because I think we burgled a draw in one of them. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen there. Best we take a break. It's 23 away from 12 o'clock. Oh, I'm so torn now. Do I want the Warriors to win or lose for the sake of going on with this? I want them to go deep in the season. I want them to go deep in the season because I don't want being angry after eight weeks. Crikey. Back after this. 19 minutes away from 12 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. Daniel McCarty with you. Ben Francis, my producer co-host today. Uh, step up to the mic, Ben Francis, because uh, you need to help me out with this one, uh, and the listeners need to pay uh, attention. Uh, we call it the Ot Show, the bizarre sporting stories from the last week you might have missed, but you definitely need to know about. Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? No dramatic music for this? We, we need a dramatic music bed. For this. We'll, we'll work on it, it's full, of, it's, full of dra- it's full of drama. It's full of drama. Um, Tuesday night high school basketball, of course. Where else would we start? Tuesday night high school basketball in the United States of America, to be exact. Uh, where Weatherford and, and I hope I pronounce that correctly to anyone listening in Oklahoma right now, uh, Anadarko in Oklahoma ended in a score, and this must have been a pulsating game, gripping. It was a one-possession game, Ben. Incredible. It finished four points to two. With Weatherford prevailing in a contest that featured only six total points between the two teams. This is high school basketball. In the States, high school basketball is a pretty good standard, generally, isn't it? After Weatherford scored the first bucket, Anadarko proceeded to hold onto the ball until half time. Not even attempting to take any shots while continually passing the ball as Weatherford sat back in his own defence. How is this possible? The result of the game led to renew calls both in Oklahoma and nationally for a shot clock to be implemented in high school basketball in order to prevent teams from holding onto the ball for an indefinite amount of time without incurring a penalty. In about 40 states, including Oklahoma, high school basketball does not currently have a shot clock, meaning teams can hold onto the ball for as long as they desire without being penalised for it. I've got so many thoughts on this, Ben Francis. Firstly, it takes me back to the NBA who uh, recognised this rule 70 years ago. 70 years ago they recognised this problem, that athletes are cynical at best. It's quite, quite funny. And think... will do anything to seek an unfair advantage, <laughs> a.k.a. cheating. I think the guy... Uh, I'll take you back to the Fort Wayne Pistons defeated the Minneapolis Lakers 19-18. That's the lowest scoring uh, game on uh, NBA history. And that was in 1915. I think the shot clock came in at about... 54, 55, I might have that off by a year or two. But is that is that what we're coming to at high school sport? Where you're that cynical about winning that you'll hold on to a ball for a whole game? Is it a high school sport about, I don't know, trying to make players better and I don't know, something stupid like having fun? Oh, Daniel, you're one of those NIMBY fun people. Like, seriously. Well, you're that cynical. You're that, Whoever's running that team, you're that sad? Well, that's sad an individual. 
The the only explanation I can think of is this: the Anadarko must have been a good school, and Weatherford maybe thought maybe we could get a win if we just don't shoot and hold <laughs> onto the ball. I'm pretty sure the guy who he scored all four points for Weatherford as well. Well, that's a great story. I scored all my team's points in a high school um, in a high school basketball game once. How many did you drop? Everyone's thinking 50, 60, might have gone 70. Four. <laughs> NBA scouts I, better be watching. Four. <laughs> yeah, I know. Put that on your resume. He led Weatherford and all scorers, including against Anadarko, where he scored all the team's points in an historic two-point victory. <laughs> that looked good on your resume, won't it? I'd put it on there. What a... Their coach. <laughs> Don't you think? They're kind of sad, isn't it? Kind of sad. You're a bit of a sad... Bit of a loser if you think like that. Ma- at ma- that level, maybe the co- maybe the coach thought that their passing game was bad, and he just said, "Spend the whole game passing. <laughs> Work on your skills." <laughs> <laughs> That's what practice is for. Oh, sorry, it's basketball. They don't practice, do they? What have you got, mate? Uh, so we know that comedian Jimmy Carr is the king of roasting people, and a young uh, Australian yeah. rules player from Greater Western Sydney was his latest victim. Uh, Jason Gilby made headlines during the week after revealing he doesn't drink any water and only consumes milk, saying, it's a flavour texture thing. No real reason. It helps me put on a bit of weight, and I just love the taste of it. So, very interesting. I, I'm not... That is odd. I love milk, don't get me wrong, but I also know water is quite good too. Yeah, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how much milk he consumes though, but both Carr and Gilby were on the Project Australia, and Jimmy Carr decided to have a little crack Uh, at Gilby about his milk obsession and he said I think we've buried the lead story I think the headline is world's largest toddler also plays Aussie rules (laughs) and then he said a personal question my friend when did you stop breastfeeding was there a transition period (laughs) oh very good Uh, Jimmy Carras I, he is quite I, I, I don't know if he was in a, doing an Australian radio interview and he was on the Gold Coast and he was asked about what he thinks of the Gold Coast and he said, oh, the Gold Coast is a town for poor people who think who want to live a rich lifestyle because it's all built up, but it's not yeah. it's not like luxurious like uh, it's, you have if you haven't been to the Gold Coast, part of me wants to tell you don't go um, <laughs> but you kind of have to experience it. It's kind of it's it, it's unique. Yes. It's probably the, the nicest way I can, I can describe it. Yeah. Not sure. Here's the other tip. I'm not going back. <laughs> so that, that should, should probably tell you a lot. Now, Chilean swimmer Barbara Hernandez has become the first swimmer to cover 2.5 kilometers in the frozen waters off Antarctica. If it's frozen, how can you actually go? How can you swim through frozen water? Water's frozen. Do you swim on top of it? Maybe I should carry on and read the rest of the story. Uh, she did swim in a simple swimsuit as well. So no protective clothing or grease. In 2.2 degrees Celsius water. That's not that impressive. Just go to Lyle Bay in Wellington. Uh-huh. It'd be about three right now. Uh, Hernandez, an experienced open swimmer with previous world records, including the Guinness World Record for completing the fastest ocean uh, mile swim through the Drake Passage in southern Chile, is currently on board a Chilean Navy ship to Antarctica to raise awareness for the need to protect its waters. Uh, she completed the distance in 45 minutes. Now, that's pretty slippery as far as time's concerned. But it can't have been completely frozen, right? Because, Ben, am I, am, I mis- am, I, am I bearing the lead on this one too? Uh, am I? M- m- oh, I wouldn't do that, to be fair, so... No, I, no I'd agree with you on that one. I'm not as impressed. I, I think I would be more impressed if 
She drank 10 tiramitos in two minutes. If you don't know what they are, you haven't been to Chile. Um, they're a Chilean cocktail. Real. That will have you on your ass if you drink about three in five minutes. Real, real, I tell you. Real quick, Daniel. You know, you can actually go on a cruise to Antarctica. Being, yes. being led by John Key. Really? Yeah. When is that? Uh, it's later this year, I believe. He's, uh, he's, okay. he's, 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 he's leading a cruise ship to the frozen waters of Antarctica. So if you want to attempt to swim that distance and right. nothing else but a swimsuit, there's your opportunity. Well, will they serve Tiramitos? You have to ask. Okay. Um, I've just checked my diary. Um, I'm busy, <laughs> it, it would seem. I'm very, very busy. Uh, I, I, I would miss the Saturday session audience too much. <clears throat> 10 minutes away from 12, back after this break. That was the Ocho, the weird sporting stories you had to know about. Six minutes away from 12 o'clock, a reminder, SENZ Super Rugby Tipping 2023 is now open. You could win the ultimate New Zealand sports experience for you and a mate worth two and a half grand. Sign up and play now at tipping.senzradio.nz. Go on, get amongst it, enjoy it, and uh, be in to win. Uh, we are approaching the top of the hour. What have we got in store for you on the final hour of this wonderful broadcast? Uh, well, we will uh, head to the United States of America and uh, talk the Super Bowl, preview the Super Bowl, uh, and specifically uh, talk about the return to relevance uh, for the Eagles who take on uh, the Kansas City uh, Chiefs were, of course, uh, what back in their third Super Bowl in four years. We're probably a little bit more in tune with, uh, you know, what makes uh, Kansas uh, tick. But Philadelphia is a passionate sporting city, to say the least, uh, that has not been blessed with uh, titles. I think the Philadelphia A's um, have won most major sporting titles in Philadelphia, and I'm pretty sure they left Philadelphia in the 50s. Um, yeah, um, passionate sporting community don't do a whole lot of winning. So I'd imagine it's uh, quite the place to be um, if you're a, a reporter right now. And we're going to catch up with ESPN Radio's a reporter out of uh, there. And can't wait to, to catch up with him about five past the hour. That is going to be Scott Grayson. We'll have uh, sporting headlines at the top of the hour after this uh, break because the Oscars music has uh, started to appear. I must wind up. We'll catch up with the Good Oil crew to find out what's happening after one o'clock. And we'll have the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. Here's a warning. You should definitely run a mile from my one. I have a sneaking suspicion. Uh, we'll also have our Workhorses of the Week. Both nominations and non-nominations. Busy hour, the final hour. Stay with us here on SNZ. My name is Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is alongside. This is the Saturday session, taking you through to 1 o'clock before the good oil take over. Uh, we'll catch up with them to preview what's coming up on their fine program. Um, I think Clado will drop by at some stage. What else do we have in store for you before we depart at 1 o'clock? Well, plenty. We've got our workhorses of the week, both our legitimate nomination and, you know, pithy comment to someone who distant front didn't deliver um, during the week. Uh, you want to get your nominations in for your workhorse of the week, double eight, double three. Uh, feel free. We'd love to, to get some uh, nominations and uh, read those out on our temper bedpost text machine. Uh, we will also uh, have the sporting tips. You should probably run a mile from as well. Uh, that is all still to come on the f- final hour of the show. We've also got some racing for you. I think we're going to head to Tarapa, uh, race number one at 12.25, if I've got that right. Um, so we will have some live sport for you, uh, the first race to jump at Tarapa at 25 past the hour, so 24 minutes from now. Before that, though, and in about four or five minutes, we're going to head to Philadelphia 
and catch up with Scott Grayson, who's going to look at uh, Super Bowl uh, for us. Uh, but let's get to the sporting headlines at the top of the hour. There's been a shock in the Women's T20 World Cup in South Africa after the host nation lost to Sri Lanka by three runs. Um, South Africa needed 130 for victory, but could only manage 126 for the loss of nine. They needed 13 runs off the final over. Could not do that. Both these uh, sides are, of course, in New Zealand's pool group A. Uh, You would have thought South Africa were quite uh, warm favourites to win that game. So uh, they're under quite a bit of pressure heading into their next game which I believe is against New Zealand Wednesday morning New Zealand time, if I'm not mistaken. So Tuesday in South Africa, uh, New Zealand to take on South Africa. That game is now looming very large. It's a hugely significant game. So well done to uh, Sri Lanka getting the uh, T20 World Cup um, off in South Africa um, with quite a result. Pep Guardiola is fully convinced Manchester United are innocent, but says they have been sentenced already. After being charged by the Premier League for allegedly breaching financial rules, the Premier League charged City with more than 100 alleged breaches of financial regulations back on Monday and has referred the findings to an independent commission. A two-year ban from European competitions for breaching UEFA's financial fair play regulations was overturned by the Court of Arbitration of Sport in 2020. Uh, Very similar sort of evidence used, similar sort of charges, because this is uh, English Premier or the Premier League uh, financial rules they have broken on this occasion. Uh, a large reason why the Court of Arbitration of Sport overturned UEFA's decision to kick Manchester City out of the uh, Champions League for two years was due to statute of limitations. Um, evidence beyond five years was uh, deemed invisible and they got off on a technicality. Um, they will go through a lengthy investigation. A, a three-person independent uh, commission will look at it, but Pep Guardiola is saying the sentenced already. That guy's, what's he on about? English is a second language. I'll give him a pass, maybe, on that. And Patrick Mahomes has picked up the first of what he hopes are two victories this week in Arizona after the Kansas City Chief quarterback was the clear winner of the Most Valuable Player of the Year award. I always love these ones, Ben Francis. He received 48 of 50 first-place votes. There's always a dissenting voice or two, isn't there? Yeah, there always is. Um... The other two went to Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Guess what? Those two quarterbacks meet in the Super Bowl. Um, And Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen also got a vote. Uh, It was the second MVP award for Mahomes in just his sixth year, making him the 10th player ever to win the award twice. He um, is quite something now, isn't he? Uh, The Super Bowl... uh, Monday morning, I was just trying to, to bring up what time it actually starts. A bit fraught with danger, isn't it? I think I think it starts at... Uh, 12.30. I think we've got coverage here on SCNZ. It's either from mm-hmm. midday or 1 p.m. Um, according to Google, Dr. Google, 12.30. Ben Francis, 12.30. Um, we will have coverage. We had it last year. It was fantastic. Uh, can't wait to bring it to you uh, on the airwaves. Uh, are we heading to Philly now or uh, for a break? We have to get to a break. Okay, we're calling. We're going to catch up with our man, uh, Grayson, who's going to break this down a little bit earlier. But nothing between them, if you look at the records throughout the year, 16 and 13 apiece. Uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs have taken different paths over the last few years. The Eagles have built back to becoming a playoff contender last year. A great off-season recruitment drive, bolstering their uh, squad, augmenting and taking that next step, getting to uh, the showpiece event, which is the Super Bowl. 
And, of course, surely the, the story of uh, the Kansas City Chiefs is pretty well known. They are back to another Super Bowl. They're third in four years. It's quite an impressive uh, record that they have uh, fashioned. So uh, we look forward to breaking this down uh, with uh, our man, who's in Philadelphia, um, working for Fox uh, Philadelphia, and also ESPN reporter Scott Grayson, who will jump on board uh, to talk us through... Um, if you can check the pulse of Philadelphia, if you can check the pulse of Philadelphia, I'd imagine it's beating rather heavily. This is a pretty passionate sporting city um, who hasn't had a whole heap of winning. I made that comment in the last hour. If I'm not mistaken, the Philadelphia Athletics have won the most major sporting titles in Philadelphia, which is some going, Ben Francis, because Philadelphia uh, Athletics now play in Oakland via Kansas City and moved out in the 1950s. So... Um, an interesting place to follow sport, I'm sure, Philadelphia. But the Eagles are flying. They are going back to a Super Bowl. And Scott Grayson, we can uh, head to that man I mentioned who's uh, dropped by to drop the knowledge on us. Uh, Scott, thanks so much for joining us in little old New Zealand. How well do we find you, sir? Oh, great. Happy to join you guys. It's good to hear you. Philadelphia, I've been trying to paint the picture. It's a mad sporting city, isn't it? Mad. And generally, the seasons end with a lot of mad fans because Philly don't win much does it well they've had their struggles that's for sure it's a very passionate town and these fans really love their teams uh it's something that they really follow hard um and it's something that they really enjoy when it does happen i mean five years ago they won and they um they won the super bowl and of course the town went crazy i mean people climbed the light poles and just celebrating it was a party in the city like no other and uh, they're preparing to do it again i mean people really do wear their emotions on their sleeves and they really do live with, you know, all the joy that comes with it. In fact, I can tell you some of the schools in the area back in Philadelphia have already said they're going to open school late on Monday morning um, because, you know, everybody's going to be up watching the game Sunday night. So I, I don't know if that helps give you an idea of what it's like there, but these fans are definitely passionate. I know that there have been planes coming out this way from Philadelphia over the last couple of days with, Fans cheering and yelling and singing the, the Eagle fight song on the planes the whole way out here. So uh, these, these fans are ready, and I've seen a lot of them arriving the last 24 hours here in Phoenix. See, th- this, is, this is what I love to hear. That, now, that's, that's a community that has its priorities right. You know, school, who cares about <laughs> half a day? Let the kids go late. Firstly, you're going to allow mummy and daddy to sober up before they drop little Johnny at school. It's probably a smart play, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it, it definitely is. But, you know, what's, what's interesting about it, too, is, is you know, we have Jordan Mailotti here, who's from Australia. I'm sure you guys all have been following yeah. him well. Uh, he told us that, you know, we asked him, like, what was it like watching the Super Bowl back in Australia? He said, well, first of all, it's not Sunday, it's Monday. And he said he used to skip school because he just watched the Super Bowl. And uh, so I guess it's it's something common that, that, that he had uh, with what, what people in Philadelphia are going to be doing. Yeah, a lot of New Zealanders uh, have done the same too. There's a real passionate community, and you don't need to you don't need to be an NFL fan per se to to not be swept up in uh, uh, a Super Bowl. Just everything that goes with it, the build up, the long build up, media day, and then to the day itself, the Super Bowl halftime show. It's quite extraordinary, and it's just going. Just, I know the ratings and the playoffs have been extraordinary, haven't they? Um, in the United States. Um, and would expect um, a huge audience again because man, you've just got a wonderful lineup. It's sort of—is it the dream sort of matchup between the Eagles and Kansas City? 
Yeah, it is. I think so. I think for even the people who aren't from Philadelphia or Kansas City, just a general football fan or even a sporting fan, uh, you know, in general from around the world, I think you're going to see an exciting game. You're going to see a game with some scoring. You're going to see some game with some big defensive plays, um, probably even some big hits. But you're going to see some and, and some star power with some of these these athletes that are, are very well known, like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and um, you know, and up and coming names from the Eagles like Jalen Hurts. Um, so I think it's going to be an exciting game for fans who don't have a dog in the fight, like an Eagles fan or a Chiefs fan. Um, but these are two really good teams, really well coached. Uh, and I think then you add into it, like you said, the spectacle of the halftime show with Rihanna and all the things that go into making this not just a game, but really an event. It does end up being like a national holiday here that uh, in the United States, and it's good that it's getting the, uh, the attention from around the world. I've seen Australian reporters here. I've seen you know France, Mexico. It really is a worldwide event. Uh, and it's great to see that kind of attention thrown on our country in that way. And I think you guys will all be in for a good game. It should be a really good one, in my opinion. And I think ultimately uh, uh, it should be a lot of fun to watch. Scott, as you mentioned, the Eagles, you know, you don't have to go back all that far to see um, a successful Eagles side at this time of the year back in 2018. But uh, there was no sort of continuity of winning. So it's been a fluctuating path back. How have they built back in reasonably quick time over the last couple of years to getting back into this position? It's really been something we've been talking about all week that's been impressive because this team, if you looked at the players on this team and compared it to the players on the team just five years ago, virtually all of them are different. There's a handful that are the same that have been here, but even the head coach is different. The starting quarterback is different. So it's been really amazing that they've been able to get back here with that much change, uh, and they've only done it in five years. The last time they were in the Super Bowl before 2017 and that one when that team went it it had been 13 years and you go back before that it had been even longer so this is not something Philadelphia fans are truly used to uh, experiencing like this in such a short window and I think to that reason I I get the sense that they're not taking it for granted even though they won it five years ago they're treating this as if they haven't been here (laughs) Uh, before Mm. and and all the rowdiness all all the craziness all the stuff I was telling you about they're acting like they haven't been here before. And I think that's great that they're not taking it for granted and being around the players earlier this week, they're embracing it just the same. Even the guys who were here five years ago, they're looking forward to another opportunity to play on that worldwide stage. Jalen Hurts. I want to talk about him, uh, the QB for uh, the Eagles, who really has blossomed from someone maybe early in his career that had some question marks, maybe some rather large question marks, according to some sort of hanging over him to a player who today poses some rather large problems for opposing defences. You know, how's he evolved to get into this level where he's received an MVP vote? Frankly, what he did this year was just unbelievable. Um, I went into, like you said, you said it well, I went into this year saying that he was the biggest question mark that this team had. And, you know, whether or not he was able to do just, you know, show improvement from last year, was going to determine whether this team could even just win a playoff game. Uh, and what he's done has become, like you said, he got an MVP vote. Frankly, he should have gotten more than that, in my opinion. And I think he was robbed of, of an MVP award just because he got hurt and missed a couple games. Not to take anything away from Patrick Mahomes because the guy's an amazing talent himself. Um, but, you know, it's an extra thing that this team can rally around. They're going to have an extra chip on their shoulder for their guy, Jalen, who didn't get the award. 
Um, but his leadership skills, the way that you know, you guys have heard him talk before or even this week. Yeah. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He's a great leader. And I think that helps the rest of the team really rally around him. And that's been a big key for this team's success. Not only what he's done on the field, but what he's done off of it. He's always driven. He's watching film all the time to get better. Um, The Eagles found a great one in him. And um, there's no reason or no way to believe that they'd be here if he didn't have the kind of leaps and bounds growth that he had had. Um, from last year to this year. So, yeah, he was a big question mark, and now he's now he's one of their biggest strengths. Scott Grayson is with us as we talk the Super Bowl. Uh, Scott, uh, you say there's going to be a lot of points in this, and I tend to agree with you, but it's not to say as if these defenses aren't good. That, that Eagles defense is pretty nasty, isn't it? You know, the way they get after a quarterback, the, the, the amount of sacks they've racked up both in the postseason and also just the regular season. Uh, you don't get to the stage with dummy defenses. Um what of the two sides? What are the Eagles probably the more feared defensive group? Yeah, the Eagles are. I think they definitely have the better defense. They have the deeper defense. You know, they can they they are able to sub in guys who are, might be able to start on other teams, especially on their defensive line. Uh, and it's been the way that they've been able to get their sacks this season, as you were talking about. They're able to get pressure in so many different ways, and they don't really blitz and bring extra guys. These guys up front are just so good at winning their battles one-on-one that they get to the quarterback fast, and faster than I think the other team is expecting um, because they, they, they've had a reputation of building up their sacks. They've gotten these sacks, and even late in the season, these quarterbacks are still holding the ball and getting hit like the NFC Championship game when Brock Purdy got hurt. Um, you know, They got on him in a hurry, and uh, he was going to throw the ball, and his arm got hurt, and now he needs surgery. So... I think the Eagles definitely have the better defense, and uh, I also think that they have the better offensive line. So I expect that's a battle they're going to win against the Chiefs' defensive line to help them uh, ultimately win this game. But uh, the defense for the Eagles, I think if the Eagles win this game, as much as the offense gets a lot of attention with Jalen Hurts and company, I really do believe that this defense could be the reason why the Eagles end up winning the Super Bowl. Well, you talk about the strength of the Eagles' offensive line. Uh, the lack of strength in the Chiefs' offensive line cost them dearly uh, in their last Super Bowl, and they've gone to great lengths to sort of augment that after the loss to the Bucks. Um, so have they got a line capable of providing the protection for Mahomes against, you know, arguably the best rush in the, in the comp? And, and is, that, is that the key matchup? Is probably my follow-up question to that. I think it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, I, I think it is a key matchup to watch because – if they can't protect Mahomes, he is – remember, he's coming off this high ankle sprain, this injury that he's had to yes. deal with. Now, I thought he moved around pretty well two weeks ago, um, better than I expected. But if that rush is getting on him and he doesn't have the ability to really get away like he, he is when he's healthy, that's really going to be a problem for the Chiefs. So I expect that they are going to do a lot of things to get the ball out of his hands quickly. They're not going to look to push the ball downfield you know, with deep passes – They'll do a lot of things underneath and do some short passes to running backs even just to get the ball out of his hands, get it out in space, and see if they can make the Eagles slow down that rush in that way. That's, to me, the, the best way that the Chiefs can try to keep the Eagles from getting on him so quickly. Um, but, you know, the Eagles are certainly going to test that. I expect it, and I frankly think they'd be crazy if they didn't try to test uh, Mahomes' mobility early in the game to see exactly where he's at. 
uh, by getting on him in a hurry. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that is probably the key matchup in the game because if they can't stop the Eagles' pass rush, it's going to be a long day for Mahomes. I mean, you can only do so much back there. Um, but he's such a great player that you never want to say he can't he still find a way. Uh, and and they're, they're very well coached. Andy Reid is such a good offensive mind. That's why I think he's got some things schemed up in this game uh, that we may mm. see to help offset that Eagles pass rush. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be the key matchup. He's such a wonderful player, so smooth. Everything he does, uh, wonderful Patrick Mahomes. He really is. And, and for those who don't follow the sport inside and out, you, you, can, you can watch that game just for him. Um, both quarterbacks are fantastic for sure. Philadelphia start, um, you know, according to our bookies, is the slightest of favourites here, um, and I'm sure that's matched um, across a lot of the betting agencies in the United States. But if they do win it, is there going to be um, a lamppost safe in Philadelphia, or how will the how will the city respond? Try and paint that picture. You know, they've done a good job of doing it peacefully, but they will have their, you know, there will be people climbing <laughs> the light poles and the traffic lights, and uh, this, the big, the, you know, two weeks ago even they were climbing the the bus stops, and too many people <laughs> were on top, and they fell through. You're going to see some good video from Philadelphia of people having a good time if they do end up winning this thing, and they will be on top of the traffic lights, they will shut down the streets, um, and, and they'll be having fun. But I think that, that the one thing they do tend to get a bit of a bad rap for being in. Uh, Overly rowdy, and, and, and but I, they're not going to cause problems. I don't expect them to cause it. It's not like it's violence. It's, uh, it's just really like a party in the middle of the city. Boisterous fun. That's what we'll go with, Scott. And it's exactly. been an utter joy. It's been lots of fun having you on the show. Thanks so much for dropping by, mate. We really do appreciate it. Uh, enjoy a massive weekend. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, for the opportunity. It's fun to talk to you guys. Our pleasure. Uh, Scott Grayson joining us uh, there out of Fox Philadelphia and uh, ESPN Radio reporter from uh, that wonderful sporting city that, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a good place to be no matter what, right, Ben? Win, lose, you can't say draw. You can't say draw. Win or, it's the United States. They don't do draws, people. Come on, don't be so stupid. So nearly 20 minutes after 12 o'clock, we will take a short break. Uh, Tarapa, we head shortly. Turn on your mic. That tends to help. Provisional placings. Meet number two, race number one, Mercurial, paying $4.30 and $1.60 ahead of uh, number five and six. Uh, that was an impressive performance from Mercurial. Kind of living up to its name. Uh, they were just in a very good mood today, uh, it would seem. That was quite an impressive uh, victory. Storming away, winning comfortably. So two beats at five. Beats six. There's your provisional placings one, two, three, and looks pretty clear cut to me on that front. But I'm certainly no uh, expert. Uh, no one likes a corrector. We love them on this very program. Hi, Daniel. Eagles won Super Bowl in 2017. Writes this uh, individual, Darren. Thank you. Good on you, Darren, for attaching your name to it. Nothing worse than a corrector actually just sends through and doesn't tell you the real name. Was it season? Wasn't one of those ones where it was season two thousand and seventeen? The Super Bowl occurred early two thousand and eighteen, because then both of us would be right, wouldn't they, Darren? Hey, have I got him on a technicality? Ben Francis. Well, Doctor Google Why does say twenty eighteen, so. Well, but it was the twenty seventeen season. Is it though? And the Super Bowl. Yeah, but when was the? Yeah, when? Well, he's text. Ah. Ah, he's tech- you've, you've apologised. And that makes you an even better person than I thought you were, Darren. I thought you were a good good individual for putting your name on your message. 
even better when you can apologise. How very dare you question my ability to read Wikipedia. Hey, eh? Ben Francis wouldn't do that. Not to your Google face, mate. Wrong. <laughs> Behind my back, though, different story. Oh, I can feel it right now. Speaking of technicalities, I've lost the camera, Ben, by the way. The cameras have gone down here, so I, I, I can't see you. Just refresh um, it, mate. Can I can see, see you. You can see I'm me. I'm flipping, flipping you the bird um, as we speak. Yeah, I assume Clayton's not ready to go, and we can actually move on to our workhorse of the week. Yeah, let's do our workhorse of the week, yeah. yeah, yeah let's do our workhorse of the week. Um, Shall I start positively or negatively? I'll start negatively. My non-nomination, um, I, I wanted to mention a technicality, a technicality um, um, quite deliberately there, Darren, not to pick on you, but uh, to allow me to segue. It's a radio thing you do. You sort of segue from one thing to another. So I could pick on a guy called Pep Guardiola. Have you heard of him? Have you heard of him? Uh, of course you have, um, Darren and listeners. Uh, he's my non-nomination for two reasons. Um, number one... Um, Pep uh, finally got a chance to speak to the media after his club was charged with more than 100 financial breaches. That's quite a lot. That, that's quite a lot. More than 100 financial breaches uh, dating back to 2009. Uh, he's stridently defended the club, saying, hey, they haven't lied to me. My bosses haven't lied to me. They wouldn't lie to me. If I, if they lie to me, I'm gone, is essentially what he said about a year ago. But uh, he has uh, come out following these, um, or the news that the... Uh, Breaches have been sent their way. Um, and he, he has said at a press conference ahead of this weekend's game, my first thought is we've already been condemned. We are lucky we live in a country where everyone is innocent until proven guilty. We didn't have this opportunity. We have been sentenced already. Um, ben, do you, think he, do, you, do you think he knows how to spell nonsense? Uh, probably. Hmm. Do you think he knows how to spell condemned? Because I don't think he knows what the word condemned means. No, I don't think so. You know, sentenced to a particular punishment. They haven't been punished at all. But he's trying to say everyone thinks they're actually guilty. Well, no, I, I don't think everyone thinks they're guilty. A lot of people are sceptical as to why it's taken four years for this investigation to take place. Why has this investigation... Um, why these um, financial breaches... Um, why the charges have come down um, about a, a week or two before a government report into whether or not English football should be regulated and that the uh, English Premier League should have regulation over it. Um, they they might just be a, a bit of a sideshow to show the government, hey, we, we can take care of our own and there might actually not be any punishment down the line. That, that I've heard a lot. So uh, my non-nomination part one, Pep Guardiola. Number two, though, and this just made me laugh, Ben Francis. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, they went to, well, last weekend, they went to North London to take on Spurs, and we all know what happens there. They lose, and they lost again. Uh, and Guardiola attempted to deflect attention from uh, City's latest 1-0 defeat at Spurs uh, by bemoaning the gruelling nature of reaching the nation's capital. Ben Francis, he blamed travel. But we got back to Manchester. Coming to London, it's like going, I don't know, to Northern Europe. It's four hours and 20 minutes, four hours and a half to get to a hotel. It's so exhausting to come to London. I'm sorry. He blamed the trains, Ben Francis, and four hours and 30 minutes of travel. Should I start playing my, wow. my mini violin? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we should. I think we definitely should there. 
So he, he wins my non-nomination, uh, Pep Guardiola. Well done, you. But uh, as far as my actual workhorse of the week, Pep Guardiola's just worked me up. Uh, my workhorse of the week, it's a, a pretty obvious one. My Midas Agritized workhorse of the week is one LeBron James. Uh, how can I not acknowledge uh, what he has achieved in this quite extraordinary career going past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in the NBA? This is a kid who started back in 2003, 2004. That's right, Darren. I've even checked that. Don't worry about texting in. He definitely started as a 19-year-old in 2003 and 2004 and is still at age 38 or whatever he is. Let me. I should have checked that. <laughs> I could be wrong there. No, he's just turned 38. He's still averaging 30 points in the NBA like he did last year. And I know the Lakers are stank. And I know he's carrying a huge burden there, but still, uh, at 38 to average 30 points a season, it's quite remarkable. How long does he go for? He goes into his 40s. The way he's, the way he looks, Ben Francis, looks like he could go Tom Brady on us. Could he not? Well, I think he wants to play with his son, doesn't he, who's still a couple of years away. And I don't know if you saw the clip earlier this year. I think they were playing the Rockets, and this young guy went up to LeBron, and he said, oh, do you know you made your debut? Uh, you played against Sacramento. My dad was in that team. <laughs> I saw that. That was gold, wasn't it? That was absolutely gold. Fantastic stuff. And he responded, oh, man, you've made me, you've made me feel rather old there. Um you are LeBron. You are quite old by NBA player standards, but you're still incredible. You know, um, look at the averaging 30 points this year, seven assists and eight and a half rebounds, age 38. Um, incredible career. Um, it will continue. Um, so he's my Midas Ergotize Workhorse of the Week, Ben Francis. Who you got? Who's your nomination? Still can't I, I, see you. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the non-nomination first. Yes, yeah. I'm going, I'm going, going the Warriors, baby. Go the Warriors. <laughs> ah, the non-nomination. Yeah. Well, it's a non, it was a non-competition game, so I understand why it's a non-nomination on Agritire's um, Workhorse of the Week. But my Midas Agritire's Workhorse of the Week winner has to be Duan van der Merwe, the Scotland winger. Scoring two sensational tries, preventing England from re- winning back the Kolkata Cup. It's staying north of the border. England have been absolutely dreadful over the last six years in the Kolkata Cup. They'll never get it back. They'll never get it's, it back from us, it's Ben. It's staying They'll never home. get it back. It's home. It's home for good. They'll be singing it's coming home in 30 years' time when England go uh, up north to lose another one. That's a great that first half try. I know he got the winner, of course, and that's probably been replayed uh, a lot on you know news packages from lazy sports studios who didn't watch the full game. But that first half try is extraordinary, isn't it? Sort of tall blonde wing. It's sort of JK esque, wasn't it? Oh, it was absolutely incredible. I really loved the moment where he just transitioned the ball uh, from his. I think it was his left, oh, to, his yeah. right to left hand, so he could shove off the the England halfback before he scored the try. It's just you know just little things like that. You just think is just world class. Midas Agritize, European quality made affordable, uh, bringing you the uh, workhorse of the week. You, you've got my sc- Scottish blood boiling. That's fantastic shout, Ben Francis. Uh, excellent work. Big thanks to Midas Agritize. Get your workhorse of the week nominations in to double eight double three. Would love to hear from you, Midas Agritize, choice of leading manufacturers back after this break. 19 minutes away from 1 o'clock, 19 minutes away from Clado and the crew taking... Over after one, and for the first time in 2023, the great minds of the Saturday session and uh, the good oil get together. Well, as far as days I've been here. G'day, mate! 
G'day, Jack. Oh, oh, what an intro. What an intro. Can we keep that one? <laughs> yeah, we, we should play it every week. We should. We should. No, great to have you back on board. You've been a very busy man, and you'll be loving some of your commentaries over summer. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. So the cheque did arrive, which is always great. Um, yes, uh, yeah. You know, postage can get blocked up at this time of year. Good luck no, cashing I, 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 <laughs> You don't. <laughs> that rubber ball's going to come bouncing back to you, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll bounce so hard, it hit you straight in the face. You've got a big big show ahead, no doubt. Hey, we, we have, uh, Daniel, we've got um, Group 1 racing out of Tarapa today. We've got two Group 1s, and they are just the greatest fields you'll ever see this time of the year. The Herbie Dyke Stakes, $450,000 they're running for. And interesting little segue, Baz McCullum, uh, now he's coaching that... Uh, English team. Uh, he's got a share in Defibrillate, who's one of the favourites. But also this morning on the mail run, they interviewed another one of the greats, Mark Greatbatch, who's got a share in last season's derby winner, Asterix. And they go head-to-head Pat- in the same race. Paddywhack, give a dog a bone. He has. He's put his hand in his pocket and uh, he's forked out for a horse. He's got a pretty decent one. Okay. So uh, what camp would you much prefer to be in then? What, what, are you, are oh, you the left-handed blazing batsman at the top or the right-handed one? I always go right-handed. You're right-handed. Yeah. Don't know about those left-handers, those lefties. But, <laughs> yeah, look, look, it's a fantastic field. Defibrillate, top of the page at 420. Asterix, 16-1. Uh, to 1. Look, he's been named at the Melbourne Cup, so yeah, he might even get to Sydney for a Sydney Cup along the way. But, yeah, Asterix, if you can get some futures on him. But we've got three three-year-olds in the race, Daniel. Uh, Sharp and Smart, Wild Knight and Cruise Missile, and they've just added so much interest to the race. Last year's winner, Coventina Bay. Campionessa, Opie Bossom, he couldn't do the weight for Wild Knight, so he'll he'll ride Campionessa, and she's not out of it. It's just a magnificent field. And the fireworks race six at 20 past three this afternoon. Wonderful. How's the, t- how's the good oars form been in the early stages of 2023? Uh, we picked up a couple of collects over Christmas, but we had enough goes. Um, a couple of nice little collects there, but we've been a bit stiff on a couple of occasions, but uh, we are yeah. due. We are due. Louis's gone remotely <laughs> to Christchurch, so me and Sticko, we should be able to control the purse strings a little bit better. Well, that was the only way you two were going to get along if you're in different islands, right? That, that was really important, um, you know, to, to have as much distance between you and Louis as possible. So so despite the underwhelming performances, who's been blaming who? For, for well, well, there's no Wi-Fi in Stewart Island, otherwise he'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> we get him to the Chathams. You know, the government oh, put a bit look, of investment into the Chathams over I know, the last I know years. a lot of people in the Chathams, and I wouldn't do that to them. <laughs> now, now. Now, now, we, we, I love the Chathams. Of course, it's part of my electorate. Uh, Rongatai. Well, oh, figure. Is it? There's, there's a good... There, there you go. Indeed. Ooh. It makes a lot of sense. Anywho, uh, who else have you got on the program today? Uh, yeah, Louis Remotely and Steve McKay will be joining me in the studio in Auckland. Have a great show, Clayton. Oh, oh. I, I wish I could say, lovely to see your face. I can't see you. The computer's down. Uh, yeah, thanks I can't so see much. you have either. a great show. Flying blind. <laughs> probably, <laughs> Keep up the good Probably week. a good thing. Thanks, see you, brother. The good oil is coming up after one o'clock. Uh, we've got Simon Griffin, who's uh, tweeted in. Uh, correction time. We love correctors, Ben Francis. Um, correction time. He switched the ball to fend off a 120 kg number eight. No one fends off a halfback. You just flick them off. Simon is shoveling snow. Simon calls himself the Simon shoveling snow corrector. I think Simon's. I, I, I think Simon's overseas. I think he's in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. If that's the case. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. Only Darren writes back, why I remember a Philadelphia team won something was the Eagles beat my Patriots. Oh, you're one of them, eh, Darren? Oh, good times are over, aren't they, Darren?
And I don't get this text message, Ben Francis, maybe you can help me. Someone just writes, LeBron drafted straight out of high school, LOL. What? It's, it's laughable that he was that good as uh, from the first bounce of his NBA career? Yeah, he was amazing. Incredible to think he's spent half his life in the NBA and uh, looks like he could spend a number of years uh, from here on in. Uh, we will take a break. It is uh, quarter to one. Back with more shortly. Oh, there's the sax. Ah, oh, song equivalent to Louis Herman Watts' fashion sense. Good to see his, good to see his move back to Christchurch has worked well. No, he's not listening, is he? It's a real shame. All right, Ben Francis. We often finish with um, pearls of wisdom. Uh, the sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. Although we, we had a very good end to 2022. A, a wobblyish start to 2023 is probably how we would describe it. A little bit all over the place. I think that's fair. Oh, totally uh, hopefully fair. today, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can get back to sort of our December 2022-4. We were excellent throughout November and December, he says uh, very humbly. Although big word of warning for, for my uh, tips this weekend. Big word of warning. I'm going with the emo- I'm going with an emotional hedge. So that's always that's always problematic. Um, you should probably you know when you're betting responsibly as you should do all the time, you should probably uh, avoid the guy who's openly telling you this is an emotional hedge, which means I want one team to win. They probably should win, but I'm just going to hedge against them. And two, I'm also taking advice from Grant Elliott, which is it's a massive red flag, isn't it? That is a massive red flag. Whenever Grant Elliott, um, you know gives me advice, Ben Francis, we should probably run a mile from it. No, it's not a multi. It's not a 15-leg multi, um, as Grant Elliott would do. Uh, but after Grant Elliott's and no, it's not going to be Blair Tickner to take the most test wickets for New Zealand against England. After uh, Elliott dropped that nugget that uh, Jameson will probably not play in the first test, they're still building him back, and with New Zealand's reluctance to play one, let alone two spinners in New Zealand, it would seem uh, Wagner... Henry, Southey, and Tickner would um, would get the nod in that first test starting Thursday, which would be quite interesting. This guy averages 35 in first-class cricket, Blair Tickner. It's a, it's a really interesting selection, whether or not he actually makes the 11. Only time is going to tell. But Grant Elliott, and I agreed with this, Amy Southworth-Waite is the best player um, on display in the uh, Super Smash Women's Final. Um, inexplicably not in the New Zealand setup anymore. Uh, Grant Elliott uh, felt she could uh, swing things in favour of uh, Canterbury to win uh, the Super Smash. So I'm going to take that on board with my emotional hedge. I'm going Canterbury to upset Wellington, the Blaze, in the final of the Super Smash, Ben Francis, paying $3.10. I I understand I would not be allowed to walk around the streets of Wellington for at least a couple of weeks, but that's okay. I'm going to Mount Monganui on Wednesday. I can get out and, uh, you know, hide. So that's, that's my tip. That is my tip. Well, the first of my tips is uh, Canterbury to win. I can see Louis Herman Watts already picking up his phone. He's probably texting me to, to you know, ah, we won another thing. Don't know why his hand's going down there. Um, secondly, Ben Francis, Super Bowl. Um, I, you know, I like to weave in a narrative, a, a storyline into some of my puns. Uh, Master v. The Apprentice is the theme of this one. Not really The Apprentice. If we're using The Apprentice television show, it's more like, first person who gets sacked on the television show. 
when Andy Reid joined the Chiefs, he let go many coaches of the previous staff at Kansas City, including none other than a 31-year-old wide receiving coach by the name of Nick Sirianni, who is now the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm going Philadelphia based on that narrative of Sirianni's going to come back and get one over Andy Reid, head-to-head, paying about $1.77. There you have it, Ben Francis. You're welcome. What have you got for me? Well, I've got a little emotional bet as well. Scotland aren't very good at backing up on the Six Nations, but they're paying a dollar thirty-five. So let, let's go for them to beat the Gatlin Wales. But I'm sorry, I, I I have to do this to you, Daniel. I feel I feel absolutely terrible to do this, and I well, can't. You bet, let... you, you, you're, you're tipping Everton, aren't you? Yeah, because they're paying six bucks, mate. <laughs> so combine what? those, combine those two, eight dollars ten. Everton's paying six. Dollars to beat this Liverpool. Yep, six dollars to win. Sean Dyche led Everton, so let's go oh, for it. I'm so happy Elliot is not here. <laughs> I'm so happy he was unavailable this week. Fair oh, enough. This is this is this is not good. I'm getting back to my emotional. The worst thing about it, Ben Francis, that's not the worst bet in the world. That is not. They're, they're fresh off beating Arsenal, the best team in the English Premier League last week. And looked incredibly well organised. Oh dear, I'm talking myself into it. Actually, saying it's a it's a sound bet. I, I I think it's probably a very apt time to end the show. I thank you to everyone who has participated, especially you, the listeners, whether it's uh, via text or over the phone. Uh, always love your contribution. Huge thanks to Ben Francis as well, Tony Kemp, Grant Elliott, and our man Scott Grayson who uh, dropped the uh, NFL Super Bowl knowledge on us. The Good Oil will live up to their name after one o'clock. They're up next. Until next time, I'm away for a couple of weeks covering some cricket. Catch you soon, team. Uru.